Today's sponsor is Audible. Please visit audiblepodcast.com slash baldmove for a free audiobook download. Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 6, Episode 4, entitled Here's Not Here. Uh, what, what's your opinion on this one after a couple of days of of thinking about it? I mostly stand by what I said. Um, okay. I think there's the big problem is where this episode occurred in the stream of The Walking Dead. Uh, and also there's a little bit on-the-nose set up and... And, and some of the more writerly things I thought brought the episode down. But, you know, this is the greatest bottle episode The Walking Dead's ever had. I can't think of too many more. Uh, it had sure, two sure. just truly... It has two really great performances. I yeah, feel that... absolutely. I feel like that, that, that John and uh, Lenny elevated the material. The material was kind of so-so and had some problems and... and like, like I said, very ham-fisted, bacon gauntlet stuff to it, but they're so compelling that they sold it. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you, and I think we get, you know, instant cast, we get a little caught up in, oh my god, it's such bullshit that Morgan would have this philosophy, like, th- this philosophy clearly doesn't work in this world, but once you step back and you say, okay, why does Morgan have this philosophy? Yeah. Uh, does that fit with his character? I think it makes a little bit more sense. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like, it's a philosophy, and no, I don't think it's, it's successful. And also, yeah. but does it need to be? And, right? and Morgan yeah. was was kind of crazy when mm-hmm. he embraced it, and it's it's something that he's kind of clinging to to avoid going back to that. It's other a reaction, mentality. yeah, to how and he was. It's also a worldview that would work. I mean, the, no, the more I, I, don't, watch I this, don't think it ever works. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> This guy is a slightly more capable version of the Alexandrians. He's lived in this remote cabin that's had okay. solar mm-hmm. panels and goats, and he has never had to run into the wolves or the terminites or the you know the governor's crew. He hasn't had any runs with that, so he's had the, the his his things actually been tested. He's only been protecting himself. Yeah. What happens if? You know, Eastman or Morgan have to protect a Judith. Mm-hmm. Then is all life precious? Which is more precious? Is the wolf trying to throttle the baby more precious than the baby? You're gonna like, need more cells, man. Yeah, no. At that point, <laughs> at that point, I feel like that that's where it breaks down. But more, for Morgan's philosophy, you know, everything's worked out really well for him, mm-hmm. and it's been able to give him peace of mind to continue in this apocalypse alone. In fact, the more I watched it, the more I was thinking. How would how would Rick be like? Are we seeing like the 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 clear version of Morgan? Is that how Rick would have been if he never found his wife or kid, or assumed that they were dead, and never found a group that could prop him up and that he could trust, and that he felt personally responsible for the safety? You know, there's a lot of interesting questions that way. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of where I run into problems with this storyline. I guess is kind of it seems to be a retread of a lot of the characters we've seen before. Like we've seen Rick go through this, this idea of, do I have to be, you know, Rick, who's going to protect my people at all costs. 
with violence or am I going to be Farmer Rick, right? We've seen this in many, many characters throughout yes. the series, and that's where I run into problems with it. It's like, I don't want a retread. Every time a new character is introduced, they if they have that backstory, just gloss over it. Like, mm. look, we know, we know, we've been through this for six years now. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's where the story starts to break down for me. And and also, you know, this being an untenable philosophy uh-huh. for any world, um, other than like a Star Trek utopian sure. existence. <laughs> but, I, I, you know, all that said, I feel like still an above average episode of The Walking Dead is brought down just Certainly. by everyone's impatience to get back to Absolutely, yeah. the middle of the story. So, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. So we have like kind of an unconventional way, I guess, to cover this. Well, um, so usually we do the scene by scene recap, and I'm going to adhere mostly to that. But there's so many scenes that are just you know, it'd be like doing a scene by scene recap of, I don't know, Castaway. Like when there's just long stretches of Tom yeah. Cr- Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks doing random things, and occasionally having to mm-hmm. side the Wilson. That would be a tedious recap. So I've got kind of like the outlines of what's going on, and then hopefully we'll have some interesting things to say about. It. Okay. Uh, we begin with uh, now, and Morgan speaking right into the camera, saying, uh, talking to the wolf that he captured uh, or knocked out. So we thought I thought he killed him, but he knocked him out. Said, so, you want everything I have, every last bit? Which is a quote from the fireside mugging attempt from last season. He says, here it is. And then we go to then, you know, the, the words then, and we see him just doing a whole lot of clearing. He's clearing zombies, he's clearing humans, he's building spear nests to sleep around, uh, he's writing pointless acts, and he's not here, you only get one clear, you know what it is, he's, he's mumbling to himself, you know what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, he spears two living guys, he fishes in some zombie guts for some paint, and then he hears a goat. Yeah. Yeah, uh, a lot of... There's about five minutes of the episode right there. <laughs> yeah, this is... Uh morgalizing like pre pre morgalizing morgalizing right mm. like this is what he did before he went the exact opposite way flip-flopped yeah and there's a couple things i thought like as i was watching this what's it like to be a zombie actor where you're just being stacked like wood you know because like there were clearly people yeah. in makeup that he's just flopping on the piles like what happens if you bang another dude's head do you ruin a take and be like, "Ow!" Uh-huh. Uh, you know, you get your you get your ankle twisted, dragging extras through the woods sure. by their feet. Sure, <laughs> no, I mean it's 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 interesting. Um, and also, what is with his staging? Like, I I still don't have a really great idea of exactly what's going on in his mind with this clear business. Like, I understand why it happened, losing both his wife and Dwayne, and him largely feeling responsible for Dwayne's death. Sure. Um. But I don't get what here's not here means. I don't understand the point. I mean, clearly he says saving people are pointless acts. Yeah. But then he's also writing that around his zombie spear camp where he's, you know, burnt a whole bunch of bodies. Um, You know what it is. Uh, He also mutters something about like 16 hours and 19 on the floor. There's a whole bunch of stuff he mutters that I don't yeah. really understand. Some of it... We I think com- it's all just supposed to be kind of crazy talk for, uh, this is a thing I must do. This is yeah. the only thing that's keeping me going at this point, is just killing everything in yeah. sight. And, and he, you know, he thinks that's the only way to live. Because everything... Everything was lost because he was unable to kill a walker, right? Which is, was his wife. So he lost his son... 
Like, he he needs to go kill things. Mm. Similar to, like, how Sasha was for a while. No, and he even articulates that. Like, that's how I live. I clear yeah. so nothing can ever hurt me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's fine. I just w- would like to know, like, what's the 16 hours and 19 on the floor? What's here's not here mean? Yeah, like, somewhat like exa- mysterious. And but... I got some people emailing, well, here's not here, obviously, is what Eastman said to Morgan after he got bit. I'm like, yeah, well, I he did said that, that because yes. Morgan said it before. Like, that in itself is a tautology, much like what Eastman was saying. Clearly, Eastman understood it, but I don't know that did, I did. Did he? Totally. Or is he just kind of. That's another redirection. It's another use of Aikido on Morgan. Yeah, I mean, maybe he doesn't understand exactly what it is. How he, can he? He understands the meta. Yeah. Uh, so he follows the bleeding of the goat, and he finds a pair of cabins that has solar power, uh, a shitty fence, which, again, Eastman, you've been here for two and a half years. You can't build a better fence than what you got to protect your only cheese milk and goat. Yeah, he's too worried about perfecting his cheese. He needs to be more worried about <laughs> protecting his yeah. land. Yeah, you got big open windows and no bars over them. I mean, there's like, I... Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, enough of the survival. Can we talk critique. about, like, how it would be impossible to get a good night's sleep when you're alone in the zombie apocalypse? In this situation, sure. Especially in Morgan's situation. Like, right. I'm gonna put up a couple sticks and hope that keeps zombies out? Like, no. I think that's the one thing that was really powerful about the Will Smith version of I Am Legend. Like, how he tucked himself in every night behind blast doors and in a metal tub yeah. and, you know, blaring... And, and only went to bed when he was really exhausted. Never really felt safe. Uh-huh. And, like, woke up with, like, a panic every morning. Like, I feel like that's how you would spend every night. I, I mean, would. Certainly. I mean, I don't know. Maybe normalcy creeps in after you've gone six months. And, uh, you know, he only had, I think I counted like 24-ish graves. That's yeah. I think Eastman approximately can sleep once right. a month that he has to deal with a zombie. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that Eastman would have a problem sleeping. I wouldn't have a problem sleeping in a cabin, I guess. Hmm. Uh, it, it's sturdy. Like, Are the number talking? of walkers that he gets out there is not going to not going to come up against yeah. that cabin but morgan like mm-hmm. specifically like i'm out in the woods all alone and i'm sure. on a journey going somewhere how does he ever get sleep i don't know i mean <laughs> i guess he sleeps in a wall of of uh spears or maybe that's yeah, why he lit the fires to do it to get all uh, yeah yeah a, a single person sleeping on a forest floor seems like a bad idea like climb a tree okay something yeah. But uh, no, I even in the I'm talking about that cabin though. Like <laughs> I would not be satisfied unless that wall was a lot more sturdy. Yeah, there, yeah, yeah. you know I'd board up all the windows. Mm-hmm. You want a location where you can hear things coming a long time before they have a chance to like hold a knife to your throat or bite your face. Sure. So uh, he arrives here and the 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 man sees him holding his gun and he invites him in for a bite and Morgan shoots at him several times and we're also. Got this weird camera trick. It's mm-hmm. like Morgan Vision is what I'm going to refer to it, but it, everything's all kind of pinched in and at the edges and intense in the middle, and it's supposed to give us this kind of like animalistic view of of Morgan's point of view. And yeah. he is subdued with a bow staff right to the face. So that's it. Uh, <laughs> Didn't do much for. He him. wakes up in a cell. He has an Aikido book thrown at him. He asks him his name. Says, "My name's Kill Me, Eastman." Points out that's a terrible name. Mm-hmm. Says, you should change I'm, it. Says I'm Eastman, and Morgan starts muttering stuff about 16 hours and 19 on the floor, and he goes, look, I fed you these fried green tomatoes, or unfried red tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's my goat, Tabitha. Don't hurt her. And then he turns in the night. 
Anything else? Which I, I don't know how he would hurt her. Tabitha's in a different cell. He's in his own cell, and presumably it's locked at this point. Well, that's the thing. It's not. I mean, we find that later on that it's not. When does he throw the key? So I took it to Did he that... throw it after he killed... Yes. He starved that dude to death? Yes. Okay. I thought it was at some point during the middle of this episode. So. I thought so, too, on my first watch. But the second time, I got the distinct impression that... Hmm. I mean, I can't prove this, but I think from a context and his progressive revelation of his own sins that, yes, he threw away the key in in his dealing with his <laughs> That's his pretty grief. funny, considering... Morgan's trying to dig his way out of this window, trying to get these bars off the window, mm-hmm. when he literally could have just pulled... He didn't even try the door. Mm-mm. He didn't even try it. Well, I mean, it shows his mindset. Like, I mean, I think that's one of the philosophical points that Eastman's trying to make here. Like, the door's always open. Mm-hmm. You're looking for everywhere... Uh, you're looking for everywhere to get around the obvious thing, which is to move forward. Yeah. Like, no, all you're this, right. You're there, trying there to keep yourself in this the trauma. Door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Every time Morgan opens the door, he runs into trouble. Uh, the next day, Eastman's cheese experiment doesn't go so well. Hmm. And the, I'm thinking maybe not take the whole tablespoon. I mean, yeah, a little taste. You just, just you know, put, put stick your tongue out, smell it before you put smell it. Mm-hmm. What's a, essentially spoiled congealed milk into your mouth? You know, yeah. It's it's a tricky thing. It it, it took a while. It took and centuries. spit it out quicker than you do, man. You no, he was muscling around for a while. He's muscling it down. But he spits it out in the end. I don't know. It's kind of probably like uh, the way I treat uh, processed imitation cheese. You know, it's like, hmm. it's growing a crocodile in your mouth. You realize it's terrible, but still it's cheese and you're going to swallow it. So what are you going to do? Uh, it's, it's the struggle of the, the large, the big bone man. They're always mm. at war with, this is crap food that I'm eating, but damn it, I'm still going to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> There's just nothing else in the house. Uh, so we find out in very brusque fashion that Eastman's from Atlanta. He's a forensic psychologist, which is red flag number one on this episode. Uh, really, your career was doing in the zombie apoc- before the zombie apocalypse exactly what you need to do with Morgan here. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, it's a coincidence, to be sure. Like, m- maybe in, in when you're writing your draft for the episode, you say, I need someone like a forensic psychologist, and maybe mm-hmm. he can be a war counselor, or he could be a chaplain, and a military chaplain, or something. But this, I, this really bugged me, and it still bugs me, the fact that He's doing exactly what he was paid for once upon a time. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's probably what he would do as that kind of person in the apocalypse. It's just the fact that he runs into Morgan. Yeah. Or the Morgan runs into him, whatever, is a little bit suspect, but whatever. Uh, there's also some things where he's like, you know, what do you do? He's like, I clear. And there's a lot of the audience in uh, Eastman here saying, what the hell does that mean? Because that's kind of like what we've been wanting and he says, why do you clear? He goes, well, that's why I'm still alive, because I, I clear all living and non-living threats. And Eastman says, a bunch of bullshit. So Morgan says, all right, fatso, I'm going to tear off the zipper and sharpen it up. And you think he's going to, like, try to stab him with yeah, it yeah. in some kind of, like, uh, TSA, you know, <laughs> confiscate your nails clipper kind of weapon. Uh-huh. But no, he's using it as the world's tiniest pr- pry bar to try to get at these uh, bars holding him. Yeah. And Eastman comes back in from whatever he does during the day and says, I know what you got. You got post-traumatic stress disorder. And he said, this is very common. I'm familiar with it. And then Morgan tries to scare him. He's like, you see that blood on that stick? That's two men. And he goes, okay, you killed some people. Did you save any? Of course, we know Morgan did. Mm -hmm. And that's what Morgan calls pointless acts because everyone turns. Saving Rick 
Yeah. Although he, you know, he saved Rick, and at this point, I he doesn't know that mm-hmm. that Rick is still out there and alive. He probably presumes that he's dead. Uh, but yeah, his his saving people did some good. And it also puts into perspective, it gives more meaning retrospectively to the scene where he finds the note to Rick in the church. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like, oh, like, you know, that again, I understand why Morgan has this life philosophy and why he's going forward with it because, you know, it's like the way he's living it, it seems like it's all working out. Like, I, I started this new life philosophy mm-hmm. and I haven't had to kill anybody and I'm happier and I'm saner and oh, look, my old buddy Rick. It's finally, you know, I want to reunite with him. Like, everything seems like there's a lot of meaning and direction in his life again. Okay. Yeah. We, we've got some emails about that. Okay. Obviously. Uh, <laughs> so then uh, Eastman starts cold reading him and says, hey, I saw the wedding ring. You must have a wife. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take a shot in the dark, say so you got a child. And uh, Morgan says, that's incredible. <laughs> and Eastman says, for a thousand bucks, you can talk to him. <laughs> Uh, no, he says, you know, the reason you got PTSD from all this is because we're not, as human beings, supposed to be killing. We got blunt herbivore teeth. We got shitty fingernails and toenails. We can't rip or claw. Yeah, not sure I'd buy that, but yeah, yeah, whatever. Again. Some some television philosophizing. Yeah, I was going to say, have you seen the, the movies of the chimpanzees literally tearing each other apart because they're having a tribal war? No, yeah. no, this yeah. life finds a we're way, We're surprisingly dude. good at something we're not meant to do. <laughs> yeah. Just saying. Yeah, well, that's what we got the big brains for you pick up a branch and you slug the guy exactly uh but he's like you know he also opines that killers are usually just damaged people there's a couple you know died in the wool nut jobs he's only met truly one truly evil person which is interesting so he grants that there are truly evil irredeemable people yes which i think is maybe what morgan's going to find out about this wolf guy but like right there like i don't when in this particular philosophy, I don't think that's the exception that proves the fucking rule, man. <laughs> it's the exception that causes you to go back to the drawing board and re-examine your life philosophies in this context. Yeah, yeah. It's the exception that proves that there are exceptions. <laughs> like, yes, yes. What the hell? Um, and also, like, but the thing is, is I can't really criticize it because I don't... I'm kind of thinking that they portrayed Eastman as this guy who's aware that there's glaring holes in his philosophy, yeah, yeah. but he... Much like Morgan is clinging on to this to give his life meaning, so he's just completely irreceptive to any alternative. Yes, that's what the deflecting is all about. Like, like right? when he says, and Morgan's like, you're real good at deflecting. Well, yeah, yeah. When he says, all can heal, some more, some less. I know it. Like, there's a little bit of mm-hmm. franticness in that. And later yes. on, when he says, I believe that all life is. Uh, has value or is precious or whatever he says he and he re- when the second time he repeats it there was a little bit of desperation i thought like no you have Absolutely. to believe this because i have to believe it because otherwise yeah. i'm going to go back with you and we're going to clear each other you know yeah and that's you know one of the things that eventually brings me around to this episode is this idea that even though these characters are espousing these beliefs mm-hmm. they don't truly believe them they're forced to believe them like yes. if they don't believe them the bad things will happen like very bad things yeah. So th- there's a little bit of nuance here, which I yeah. like. Uh, so he believes that um, everyone can heal, and he reveals that the door's open. It's always been open. He threw the key in the river a while back. He says, you can go or stay, but you can't kill me. I will not allow that. Yeah. And I believe him. He In that moment, uh, John Carroll Lynch, as Eastman, looked very tough and formidable. Uh, but Morgan doesn't, and he I, I thought it was kind of almost comical the way that they made the visual choice to just kind of snap zoom the Morgan vision 
Okay. Like, you know, he's he's hulking out. Uh-huh. And they scuffle, and Morgan tries to ch- choke him out, but uh, Eastman's ground game is just too good. And uh, he ends up breaking a piece of drywall with a crayon drawing, which almost breaks Eastman. You can see that he's wanting to kill Morgan, mm-hmm. but he doesn't. And... Morgan decides to stay, and they kind of another comical, like, they fight over the door. Like, Eastman leaves it swinging open, and Morgan slams it, and then Eastman opens it again, and Morgan, like, petulantly shuts it with his leg. Yeah. Um, so. I think this is where I noticed Morgan's fingerless gloves for the first time. Oh. They're a little strange, like the How configuration. So? so he's got his left hand, which has all of the fingertips cut out, right? So he's got the fingerless gloves in the left hand. Uh, on his right hand... None of the fingers are cut out except for his trigger finger. Not the thumb? Not the thumb, no. Like, I mean, I get it. He doesn't need to use a cell phone or anything, but hmm. <laughs> it just seemed weird that that's the configuration he chose. I don't know. It's Like, like uh... if you want none of your fingers on your right hand, why do you want all of the fingers on the left hand? Well, if he had two fingers on his, his, his left hand, then I was going to think that maybe he's ready to do the sex act that Amy Schumer described in her comedy special two weekends ago as the minivan. Two in the front, five in the back. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's just move on. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably best. <laughs> uh, so the next morning, Eastman explains that he kicked his ass with a keto. And he talks about how he learned that when his five-year-old daughter came into the garage and found him crying after probably a long day of dealing with serial killers and rapists and murderers. Found him crying after he was about eight beers into the evening. And she gives him a rabbit's foot that she won at her school fair function, money shakedown operation, and said it would make him feel lucky and that he'll feel better. And then the next morning he found a fly for a keto, so it was the universe's will for him to learn this. And then yeah. he says that we're going to make a trip. He doesn't know where, he doesn't know exactly when and how, but the, he, he knows that him and Morgan have to take this trip together. Mm-hmm. Which is another thing in the, the episode that I found puzzling. It doesn't really make yeah. any sense. And and maybe we're supposed to understand that maybe Eastman still is not all there. I don't I don't know. I don't know why he's leaving this place. I don't know why he absolutely decides that he can't live without anybody else. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing in this episode that really says to me being lonely is the problem, right? No. No, it seems like he's just fine being there with Tabitha and his cheese and his goo goo clusters. And maybe Tabitha is his company in that scenario. I don't know. But he seems kind of out of the blue, hell-bent on you cannot be alone in this in this world. And I'm not sure why. They didn't tell us anything about why he comes to that conclusion. No, and he's not alone. I mean, now he's got Morgan. Well, so his speech is as he's dying, right? He's been bit, and he's telling Morgan, look, you can't stay here. But You're going to go yeah, but crazy I'm saying, or like, something being yeah, alone. Yeah, yeah. I just don't know what the... But he's done it for two years, and I don't know why he suddenly, like, this is a problem. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the cynical side of me said that they needed to get them out of the house to provide conflict and to let him get himself bit. Yeah. Yeah, and well, because of that, then they're like literally the first thing that popped in their mind is, well, they'll just, they'll just go, they'll just wander. That's what that's what these monks do. They just walk the earth. <laughs> they just walk the earth and they get an adventure. So he'll just 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 go out yeah. and walk the earth. Maybe he's going to an island. Maybe he's going to go to the Atlanta Zoo. <laughs> I mean, this island's that? not a bad idea, but he seems like he has an island built here. No, I agree. Sorts. Finding like an like island a, in the forest. Yeah, finding a little island offshore would be something that's you know a couple square miles that you could 
clear in the literal sense of the word and, you know, get a nice vantage point where you could keep the lookout. I mean, that would be a great place to ride out at the end of the world. Yeah, it almost feels like they just needed a way. Look, look, we know that Morgan leaves this place. Why does he leave this place? Well, we're not coming back to this again, so we need to have a reason for him right here and now yeah. to leave. Oh, well, let's just have the sensei tell him to. Well, you didn't give us any build-up for that. You know, I'm from the school of thought that says that your literary devices should follow naturally from the characters and plot. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. You know? Uh-huh. Like, that like, like you know, the fly episode in Breaking Bad. Like, why is Walter White exactly. hell-bent on the fly? Oh, my God, there's man. Not I a... want to talk about the fly in regard to this episode. There's not a great reason, but if you've watched Breaking Bad at that point, you get it. You understand exactly what's going on. And... Where here, this, okay. this field trip feels like it's just a convenient plot point. And not only with the fly is it, like... I feel like Walter White would have these thoughts and this would be his reaction to this fly, but this is the perfect moment to do it. Like, everything in the show has been building up to this. Not Mm -hmm. like, we've got a lot of shit we gotta deal with, but let's slow things down because pacing is not working. Because we don't want to move too fast. No, fuck that. Breaking Bad didn't do any of that. It was like, here's the logical progression. Yeah, It is slowed down because that is the natural lull in the plot. And Walter White is having these thoughts, so let's give him a whole episode where he deals with those thoughts. Yeah. This doesn't feel anything like it. It feels like, you know what? We're moving too fast. We need to stop. We need to put on the brakes, slow down, and do a bottle episode. No, I feel Just like, for the sake of slowing down the plot. Yeah, I feel like it's intentional that they really wanted us as the audience to sweat this Glenn thing and, and the Alexander thing, so this is deliberate. But that, Absolutely, and it's a terrible but, idea. Yeah, he doesn't understand pacing and what people want. And like I read an interview with Gimple this week where he said he was essentially bemoaning the fact that, like, look— and in the Netflix, when you see this on Netflix, a season's going to, you know, all these problems are going to be solved. And, you know, the binging is... I'm like, look, motherfucker, that might be. But I'm a watching a it a week now. at a time yeah. right now, and yeah. you are shitting on me 17 million people or whatever yes. are watching it week to week. Yes. So fucking do that, man. It's like, it's like you know... Like, are you worried about entertaining your audience or your legacy? Like, oh, 20 years from now when people are binge watching this, it'll be great. And even then, I think that's a mistake. I don't think that a bottle episode here to slow down the plot is warranted. No, like if they dealt with – honestly, this episode, if it came immediately after whatever happens Alex Alexandria. Yeah, we've dealt with you know, and, and like you're standing there in the smoke wondering what the fuck is going to happen now. And there's no – you know, you've dealt with all the immediate stuff. Mm-hmm. Go back and explain Morgan's paradoxical behavior, and I think this is going to would be hailed as one of the all time greats. It still has problems that we've talked about with the convenience of writing and all that, but yeah, man, I think without the meta problems, it's a much stronger episode. But you can't really separate that because yes, I agree. You know, so anyway, uh, so. We find out that uh, Eastman's cheese game is slowly improving, and he's a vegetarian. It's true. Because, you know, obviously he's not going to kill a living thing because all life is precious. Uh, where's he getting his goo goo cl- clusters? Two years, like, a man of that size does not have goo goo clusters left two years into the apocalypse. Right. Unless he's one of those annoying guys that, like, takes a goo goo cluster and cuts it up with a butter knife in, like, 16 pieces and, like, mmm, mm, enjoys one piece once a day like it's some kind of fucking advent calendar. In which case, 
he wouldn't look like John Carroll Lynch. Exactly. He's also in the middle of fucking nowhere, and he doesn't get all, out and for. I, I seriously like why this guy for two years has been eating cucumbers. Like he's not going to be that big. I'm sorry. No. Yeah. No. This. this... You have to eat to keep on that weight. Again. Like, Google cluster. Where does he get a the fucking Google clusters? Did like a hor- like you That's know the over 700 Google clusters? Sure. That he just had stored up. How? What was this guy's lifestyle before the apocalypse? I don't know. I mean, maybe uh, a in similar ways that like the Hormel chili truck slammed into. Well, they didn't slam in, but uh, fist bumps. Dad backed it in before the apocalypse started. Yeah. Maybe a Goo Goo cluster truck flipped over on the road just by his his cabin, got lost, and he got bitten, and he turned into a zombie yeah. right then and there. I don't know. It's just one of those idle thoughts I had. Like, why make a character trait? That doesn't make sense given this man's physical condition and ge- the placement of where he is in his world's geography. Sure. It, feel, it, it feels like that's just a case of, you know, we're going to cast an actor who doesn't quite fit the world perfectly. But he's such a good actor that well, then just we're going to have Stop him with the Google Cluster shit, man. <laughs> but it's already in the script. <sighs> oh, yes. That's, that's a tough problem. It's, if, only, <laughs> if only they made something like Whiteout. Uh, anyway, so Morgan's stonewalling him. He's ignoring him. He's not giving any kind of responses to his question. Uh, so he's like kind of mildly disgusted, and he decides to take off, and he, he entrusts him, even though he doesn't get a response, with him, you know, protecting Tabitha. And Morgan's sitting there kind of spaced out, and he hears the goat start concerned bleeding, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I think it's a golden opportunity to find a goat that can scream like the goat in the, the yeah. Sprint commercial. That would mm-hmm. have been hilarious. <laughs> Like this coat, goat's just screaming its bloody head off. Uh-huh. Uh, Morgan goes out there. He sees two zombies menacing the goat. He million dollar babies one of them by smashing their head against an upturned stool. Uh, he kills the. He goes full on Morgan Vision. Kills the other one by beating its head into a pulp. Or was that the guy? Did he do that with a gun? I remember there's one zombie uh, he kill. Did, I think he did that with a gun. Where when he was using the gun as a club, he was he just yeah. literally bashed someone's brains it, its head until it's structurally deformed, and that was pretty awesome. Yeah. You know what else? He also brutally murders a tomato plant with his ass. He does. <laughs> yeah. And this is with a sin that ass. the East Man cannot abide no. when he returns. He's like, you must make atonement to the tomato plant. Yeah, I think uh, zombie kill of the week, if I were still doing that whole thing, goes to the stool through the eye. Sure. That was pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good stuff. Yeah. It's his, uh, clearly his milking, his goat milking. Uh, yeah. You know, you, you see a three-leg low stool, it's, that's to milk something. I suppose so. Uh, I don't milk much in my daily life. You don't? Life, but no. Everyone knows that that's a, a low-slung three-legged stool is a milking stool, Jim. <laughs> okay. So Morgan instinctually drags a zombie to Eastman's burial ground. Or maybe yeah, there's like I, a, a path that's kind of worn there, and he just decides to follow it. I, I think so. Like he saw that the direction that he went off in, uh, he could have followed that out and seen like a worn path yeah. in the tall grass. Uh, so Eastman thanks him, and then introduces him to the ritual that he does with the wallets, where he makes everyone their own individual grave marker, mm-hmm. and then they dump the body in the shallow grave and bury him. And then we have a healing montage. Where it's like, unlike, and it's it's kind of like Rocky in that Morgan's slowly getting more badass, but he's also getting more and more content with his life. Uh, and it's yeah. got this kind of pretty good Morgan reading this this life code about moving forward 
and acknowledging what you did but promising never to do it again and to atone and to accept that you have to protect everyone and in doing so protecting yourself and to create peace and he feeds the goat some peanut butter covered apples and he spars with Eastman and then we get to a scene where he asks him about how and why he has a cell in his cabin and we get a story about Crichton Dallas Wilton who was this very charming psychopath that was up for parole because he said and did all the right things, and he organized prison drives to provide hospitals and other charitable things with flowers that the prisoners would fl- uh, would plant and, and grow and care for. And Eastman sees right through this bullshit, sees that he's a dyed-in-the-wool psychopath, and has him denied parole. And he tells us one chilling part where there's the exact moment in time where Wilton knew that Eastman knew that Wiltman knew <laughs> that <laughs> the jig was up, yeah. and he tried to kill him right then and there in the prison. And uh, Eastman, I think that's why he was denied parole. Probably the physical beating of an administrator of some kind. <laughs> yeah, uh, of a guy who paints woodland ducks for for you know stamps in in uh, North Dakota. You can't you can't do that shit. Uh, but he's but uh, he tries to kill him, and Aikido saved his life. Yeah. And we later find out that he he eventually gets out of prison, but not because of parole. He actually escapes. Busts out. Busts out just to murder Eastman's entire family, and then he turns himself in blood-soaked just to ruin his life. Yeah, that's no joke. That's a dyed-in-the-wool psychopath. I agree. I agree. It's a guy who, you know, you might think probably needs to die. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're an Aikido master. Yes, uh, so he's like, you know, years pass by, and he, I'd drive by, and I'd see him working those prison plots, and it just sticked in his craw. So he decided he he bought these cabins a while back. He decided to outfit one of them with the prison because he's going to abduct this guy and sit him in there and watch him starve to death. Yeah, it's pretty dark. And then... But probably deserved. Yeah, and then yeah. He, he reveals, like, I've come to believe that all life is precious, which he repeats second time again, almost desperately. <laughs> Wild-eyed. And Morgan observes that you're good at redirecting, which is the whole yeah. Aikido thing. Mm-hmm. Um, redirecting his natural thought processes and his emotions. <laughs> so the next scene is Eastman planning this trip, where he's thinking about trying for the islands off the coast... And, again, we're not sure which coast, and it's not really important. But he needs a tarp and a crowbar because, sure, yeah, that's what you go for. You know, when you're taking a post-apocalyptic beach trip, you need to So Morgan takes the zipper off of one of his pockets. And says, and got, crowbar's crowbar. good. <laughs> crowbar's good. Uh-huh. Here's the sandwich wrapper. We got a tarp. What else do you need, fat man? <laughs> yeah, they they string together a goo-goo cluster packets into a makeshift tarp. No, no, they go after Morgan's pack. He knows yeah, where he's some like, tarp I know, is. I know where some tarp and crowbar is at. And he goes back to the clear site very conveniently. And Morgan starts being affected by seeing how savagely he was living his life. And Eastman, you know, pries at him, says, who did you lose? I want to know their names. And Morgan starts to get more and more visibly emotionally upset. And he's like, we got to do our forms right now. And Morgan's like, not here, man. He's like, no, right here. And they do it. And, and Eastman corrects his squat a little bit. He needs a squat lower. He's really get that glute engaged. He needs to feel the yep. burn in the hammies. Or what is he doing? He's you know you're doing this for you. You're just you're cheating nobody but yourself, Morgan, by doing this half-ass squat. <laughs> and just then a zombie jumps them, and Morgan goes to kill it. But oh no, it's the guy he murdered in the open, and he freezes up. It's the opposite of Morgan Vision. It's Frieza Vision, and Eastman yeah. jumps in and saves him, and he's bit right in the love handle, right <laughs> in the love handle, right in the back bacon. Yep. 
And a nice big chunk out. Now he's going to die. And Morgan instantly regresses to pre-Eastman Morgan vision and starts screaming, I said it's not here. It wasn't for you to do. You can't just step in. Tell me how it is. And he starts repeating some of the other shit he used to say. And he kills he Well, he doesn't kill him. He attacks him and he says he wants... You know, after Eastman handily beats him, says, I wanted you to kill me. And I told you not to do it here. And Eastman says, well, that's the thing, Morgan. Here's not here. But And he walks off. <laughs> yeah, so this is a rock and a hard place for Morgan here. Yeah. Like, with, with his two philosophies, his former philosophy and his new one. So his former philosophy of clearing is what led to Eastman getting bit, right? He killed this guy mm-hmm. for the sake of killing him. And oh, he comes back and he bites Eastman. Yep. But so I, I don't know how he can be like, oh, now I suddenly need to clear again because that's the thing that caused Eastman to get bit. But but at the same time, like I could also see where he would justify that well, as I like think saying, if I had cl- killed this Walker, if I had just cleared instead of being, if I was being, in full all blown crazy, Morgan, yeah, this wouldn't have happened. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be feeling this right now. So he goes in. So there's the, a little bit of both sides there. So he goes back to Feral Morgan. He's traipsing mm-hmm. through the woods, and he finds this really super gross zombie with his scalp and back peeled off, and a frightened hippie couple, which. You know, I said last week that I'm going to start keeping track of these statements of, like, you know, this is the last time I want to see this shit in The Walking Dead. Uh-huh. And I, I know that, the that that um, you know, sprained ankle, bleach blonde, watch hippie, I at least said it then. But how it are these too? dumb fucks alive in the world? So I'm flipping over to metaphorical. We're back to zero episodes since the last time Aaron said, this is the last time I want to see this shit in the zombie apocalypse. I feel like the Alexandrians... Where are these people coming from? The Alexandrians go a long way to explain this, right? Like you These can people have, are an offshoot branch of Alexandrians. How many fucking Alexandrians are there? Not specifically Alexandrians, but somebody like the Alexandrians who've been cordoned off in the world for some reason for X number of whatever reasons, and something bad has gone down and they're now on the run or something like that, it can happen. I mean, if the, if we buy that the Alexandrians can survive inside this city, then of course there can be people out there who are ill-equipped to deal with this scenario. But that's you just missed the, the whole point is because of that city. I don't think there's a lot of setups like well, Alexandria. Well, what happens when the city is busted up? When, oh, they run against up against something that finally destroys their defenses or the thing that's been keeping them this innocent. And that's the other thing is like Alexandria is even more of a Fabergé rare egg because it had the, the Sarlacc pit keeping zombies at bay that they didn't like a natural defense system they didn't even know about. So it's like, again, I think my point stands there shouldn't be a bunch of dumb fuck unable to protect themselves from single zombies and all they've got is a bullet and a can of soup. People traipsing with with broke with a goddamn fucking twisted ankle, because you know apparently that's the other. I don't there, know, man. There's three I don't, things I don't zombie agree. zombie virus does. It turns you into a walking flesh monster. Uh, when you die, or it also will kill you of a fever, and it it saps all the calcium from your ankles. <laughs> it's true. There is an abnormal number of twisted ankles. <laughs> so I'm just really tired. I mean, I feel like everyone you should see should be like Rick. Should be like the wolves. Or should be like Morgan with a rare, exceedingly rare pocket of stuff like Alexander that might be like Hmm. every other state would have a compound like that. I don't know. I I just guess I don't agree. Okay. Well, 
I guess I'm stuck with you in this podcast, so <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to move on. Yep. But I've still I flip I've look look here, Gimple. I've I've metaphorically flipped over my imaginary board. You're on you're on notice. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, he finds these dumb fucks and they make him an offering of chicken noodle soup and a bullet. Last time I saw that bullet, he was laying it out as kind of his positive energy offering. Yeah. To the. It's a little strange. Yeah, to the terminus church. Mm-hmm. And the hippie girl thanks him, and they he lets him go. So he's like whiplashed back from pri- you know Farrell Morgan to. What are you going to call this? Eastman Morgan, Aikido mm-hmm. Morgan, Teenage Mutant Ninja Morgan, Teenage Mutant Aikido Morgan. Uh, so Morgan then. So is that is that cool that now it kind of sheds a little more context on that little altar that he builds? You know, he he finds out. Oh, Rick is alive, and isn't that an amazing thing? And all life is precious, that kind of thing. Like I saved this man, and he has gone on to survive. He didn't actually die like I thought he did. No, no, no. I actually that's not that's a part of the episode I kind of enjoy the fact that like, okay. of course, if if you have you know Morgan's almost a religious convert, and if you have religious v- fervor and zeal. You know, all bad things that happen are tested to your faith, and all good things happen are blessings from your your faith. Yeah. And I, if you look at Morgan's behavior in that lens, it becomes a lot easier to understand. Sure. It's still bizarre and maladaptive and all that, but, like, it's 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 decent character work. Mm-hmm. So uh, Morgan realizes, oh, my God, i got to get back to Eastman. What have I done? And he rushes back, and he finds that Tabitha's dead. Uh, and also he finds in this little... Um, Eastman Cemetery that the get the jig is up with his story about Crichton because he finds a grave mark Crichton Dallas Wilton mm. and uh, Eastman reveals that he did indeed put into practice or, uh, his little plan to starve the guy to death mm-hmm. and he felt so bad about it he went to go turn himself in but in the 47 days it took for this guy to starve same amount of time that you know Rick spit in a coma or whatever <laughs> the world had gone to shit and there's no one to turn himself into yep so and he was just i guess camped out in this cabin the whole time yep watching a man die and he says you know doing this revenge killing gave me no peace and i'm at this point i'm screaming at the television there is a difference from vendetta vengeance killing and killing to protect people from other people that are going to butcher you yeah like what would you do if the wolves came you dumb fuck or the terminites or the governor's crew like or you don't have enough cells and they've got guns and bullets and you just got a fucking piece of wood like this is stupid. You don't know it because yeah. you've been in this little bubble. But anyway, <laughs> that's 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 my uh, cross to bear. So he also reveals that his daughter drew a picture of the on the wall at some point, and instead of getting her in trouble, he actually bought a frame and put it around it, which I thought was pretty cute. And then when he found out the world world had gone to shit, he he drove to his home, and his car broke down on the way back, and he had to walk through ninety miles of the dead. And that's why that little piece of... I think of, it was only 30, but sure. Oh, 30. We'll go with 90. Sure. 30, 90. <laughs> what's the difference? Uh, and an improbable amount of, of zombies, and that's his most precious thing and the best thing he has ever done, which Morgan's like, uh, saving my life and converting me from crazy is not the best thing he did. Yeah, I'm, then he's I'm like, hurt, Doc. Then he's like, uh, you know, anything in this world that's worth having is about people, so... Yeah. You know, he kind of includes more. Morgan's a person sure. still, right? Yeah, I think so. He includes him. When he's not in full-on Morgan vision. Yeah. Uh, and he says, look, you can stay here. 
there's food and there's power and there's safety. And in fact, it'd be kind of crazy for you to leave. Yeah. But you should totally leave. You should totally leave. <laughs> is he trolling leave. him? I is he pulling know. a Kirkman here? I don't know. Like, Tabitha's gone. That that She was really the main draw. Uh, it's like if Space Mountain breaks down, why do you even go to Disney World anymore? You know, really? Sure. You're going to go for Sleeping Beauty's Castle? Epcot's, really? No, fuck no. the Epcot. That, that shit's like... It, it's all just plastic bullshit that you're going to... One day we will have cellular overpriced. televisions and microwave ovens and we'll be living in the future. <laughs> no, it's like, you just get out of here. It's Space Mountain or bust. Yep. Tabitha's Space Mountain... Uh, she's fun to ride is what I'm trying to get at. And <laughs> he says, I've got a gun in a lockbox that I've been keeping, I guess, for just this purpose in case, you know, he gets bit. And and because uh, I could see Nikito Master not wanting to let himself turn into a zombie because then he'll essentially be an automated weapon system that could kill people. He'll be forced to kill. Yeah. yeah. Can't yeah. live with that. And he entrusts him his lucky rabbit's foot. And then we have a montage of Morgan Which, doing. Can we talk about bullshit? Rabbit's foot, man. It did you no good. No good. You had that rabbit's foot in your pocket when you got bit. Yeah, it's less a, uh, it's less a rabbit's foot than a monkey's paw. Your daughter gives yeah. it. Yeah. Your daughter gives it, and, and, and you learning Aikido directly led to her. Like, m- you know, maybe the prison guards break up this fight. Or maybe he kills you, and that's the end or of it. Or maybe he kills you, and that's the end of it, and your daughter lives. But because yeah. of rabbit's foot, your daughter's fucked, and now you're fucked, and now Morgan... <laughs> Yeah, you know, monkey's paw is, it is much closer. This is the third wish. Uh, yeah. this, this this wolf in the drywall prison is the third wish, and mm-hmm. it's going to be the sun shambling back from an industrial revolution accident, and it's just going to be horrific for everybody. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Morgan's doing forms by the riverside that uh, Eastman's cabin was at. He buries Eastman, and I guess his first name was E. Did we ever learn his first name? I don't think so. I'm going to say Eduardo. He looks like an Eduardo. East Eastman. East East. <laughs> uh, I thought it would be funny if it was K, because then you could have K, the Kodak yeah. Eastman. Well, there's another reason it would be funny if it was K, but... What's that? Keastman? We got some email about it. Oh, oh, I can't wait. Uh, then he finds a Terminus sign, and we're kind of caught up to pre-season five, Morgan. And then we're back to now. And he says, that's it. And the wolf's not impressed. He's like, that's no, a great story, old but man. But I'm still going to kill you, bro. But I got a stab wound, and I'm going to probably die of it. Uh, but if I don't, I'm going to kill you and all your friends and even the women and children. Cause that's my code. That's the mm-hmm. thing I put faith in. And this guy's got to clear. He's got to clear. And Morgan does not like this, but then he hears shouts in a distance. And I, uh, think it's Rick. It's saying, yeah, definitely screaming. Rick. It's Rick. Open up the gates. Yeah. Yeah. And then we fade the black and that's the end of the Morgan episode. So, okay. There's a lot hinting in here. That this wolf is going to get out, and I think it's pretty pretty obvious. Sure. Uh, the fact that he's being held in a residential building that's not purpose built for the containing of a crazy person. Sure. There's that. There's that. Uh, so, so Morgan's got got this guy in a cell. In this episode, his cell door was open the entire time. He could have walked out at any moment. At the end of this episode, Rick's yelling, "Open the gate!" Mm-hmm. I can't. I can't imagine this wolf isn't going to escape. Well, here's the thing. Morgan locks make that him door, pay. though, doesn't he? He certainly does, yeah. So he's already fucking up the Eastman plan. Sure. Is I'm, that, I'm are not we saying it's to... a literal I know, I'm, but I'm saying are we supposed to draw a conclusion from that, that 
Hmm. You know, this worked this because because even like deep down, Morgan doesn't believe because if Morgan believed the Eastman teaching, so. he would have left that unlocked. Well, yeah. I think that's definitely in the episode. Um, just Morgan not totally buying into it, but having to tell himself that, having to deflect. Yeah, you have to believe it because otherwise yeah. you're going to go back to clear, which is not good for anybody. But I think also the wolf has to escape too. So if you don't think that Morgan has already paid for his untenable worldview by this wolf coming back and finding Alexandria and murdering a bunch of the people there, mm-hmm. he's got to pay for this worldview, right? I believe so, sure. He's got to have it challenged. I, I, If he doesn't, he's going to die. I felt Carol challenged it perfectly. Like The last but, episode was a... But he didn't a, give in at all. Yeah. I'm so, just saying that the last episode was uh, a a rebuke of his philosophy, yeah. and it didn't take. I agree. I agree 100%. It just, yeah, like you said, didn't take. And this wolf is the next link in that, that chain, right? Yeah. Got to be. Yeah, I, I think so. And also, what are you know? What are people going to react when they find out that he? I mean, if it, he, some it's going to get out that Morgan's let this guy out. I mean, does I don't know what Morgan does. Like, does Morgan commit? I like Morgan as a character still. Yeah. Uh, I actually like him even more after this episode because I think it did a. Even though there are problems, it did a good job of explaining why Morgan would act that the way he did in the previous episode, which I found kind of bizarre. Yeah. But. If this wolf gets out and kills people, people that he cares about, people that Rick cares about, um, you know, before we even get to the reaction that Rick and company and Alexandrians will have to this, what will Morgan do? As an Aikido master, his philosophy has gotten people, good people, to die. Mm-hmm. Does he take his own life? Does he go back to clearing? I don't know. I, I think he... So this is partially why I don't like it is because we've already seen this in Rick. Yeah, we've already seen him go through this exact arc, which. But Rick dealing with he has a, come to a balance. Rick dealing with a past version of himself, I think, is on the face of it interesting. Okay, like, but in my experience, when you deal with a past version of yourself, like when you see a person's like, oh god, five years ago, I was, I felt exactly the same way, and I was such a fucking idiot. Mm-hmm. It makes you angry and less tolerant. It's less. It's like you know the the things you dislike about yourself are those things that you can't stand in other people. But I yeah, think I that's see that. interesting. I think that's mm-hmm. that's kind of interesting. It has some good conflict. Um, but the actual mechanics of it working out and seeing more, you know, like devoting several episodes to his folly and all that. I'm yeah. I'm kind of with you. I've seen and it before. I, I think yeah. They can. They can do it. I just hope they don't drag it out too long. Okay. Just one more episode of this. Ninety minutes. Next episode. The other thing about this out, episode, oh, I've been wrong. It's this episode should not have been ninety minutes. No, long. fuck no. It would have been so Why? easy to take twenty minutes out of this episode, have it be yeah. more impactful, more tight. And it's I, I don't know, man. I fuck. I don't like what they did with Glenn. No, I know. Like, I don't want to talk about it very no, much, and I cut we've, we've said everything 90% we said, yeah. of the emails that dealt with it. Yes. Because I still got a shitload after the fact. Yes. Uh, I just, I think a 90-minute episode completely away from anything that has to do with this situation in Alexandria is a bad move. Even a 60-minute episode away would have been a yeah. bad move. A 90 is just another slap in the face. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, how we always... One of the things we love to do, if you don't know about this, is we love to think about ways we control our own. We control, yeah. not control. Can we can troll. troll. Yeah. Got to get the mush mouth out so people don't get yeah, the wrong yeah. idea. We can troll you, the audience. Like, 
different things. Like every time April Fools rolls around, it's like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if? And then we realize uh-huh. this is only funny because it's in our mind and we're fucking with theoretical people. If we fuck with actual people, it's not funny anymore. Yeah, it's not funny at all. And I, the fact that if in their minds, like, oh, won't it? Won't they just be losing their fucking minds if we put Glenn underneath a dumpster with an army of zombies and we spend a ninety-minute Morgan episode and then we do a sixty-minute Jesse fucking around an Alexander episode uh-huh. and we don't even get the you know we don't even get back to it till maybe Glenn's dead or maybe he's not until three episodes from now. It's like, okay, yeah, everyone laughs. You know, the marijuana smoke clears out of the room. Everyone's had their lunch and like, yeah, we can't do that. That's Glenn, Glenn Mazzara gets fired. That's like they've done this before, man. It was the governor arc, and we yes. all fucking hated it. Yes, and it wasn't that the governor arc was particularly terrible. It's that it came at a time when we didn't want it. Yes, we were looking forward to what's going to happen in this fucking prison. Finally, and, and it, it was already a season too long, and then they drew it out for another month. Yeah, of I, the show. Fuck you, man. Yeah, I like I said, having those thoughts in the writers' room is not bad, but you got to learn. Like, okay, no, we really can't do this. Like, it shouldn't have got past the. Wouldn't it be funny if? No, you don't want to troll your audience. You no. want you want them to be excited about the thing that they're going to see yeah. next. Everything should, like everything should naturally lead to the next thing. And when you yeah. have a if you have a lull and you want to slow down and build, which this show desperately needs to do. But you got to have that lull. There's natural lulls. It has to feel rises natural, and falls yeah. and and crescendos and resolutions and you you put it in in those contexts. You don't just throw it right in the middle of a you know the peak of your action. Yeah, yeah. And then then I mean I don't think they could have come in on episode one of this before the whole quarry thing got started uh, with a Morgan episode. I think that would have been a bad move too. No, but I, like you said, if they waited till after you know we deal with this wall of walkers headed toward alexandria yeah well i mean we deal with is or isn't glenn dead so glenn stephen young is no longer on the 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 cast and crew of the episodes yeah 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 fuck you guys fuck you guys you're gonna show the pocket watch and just leave his name off the credits it's obviously a troll it's a giant fucking troll, and I don't the like thing it. Is, the thing is, is they've made it obvious by mm-hmm. this wishy-washy PR crap that they get in and like, oh, we're talking about The Walking Dead, and I'll do these interviews, and I'll say, oh, maybe, maybe he's not dead, and we'll, well, you can we'll tell get what some form of him back. And like, it's just that, that credit thing it. tells you exactly what they're thinking. They're thinking, let's troll these fuckers. Yes, yeah, we want whether them he's to dead buy. or not, we're gonna troll him. Yeah. Yeah, because honestly, if Glenn died in the middle of the season, I think he still would have been on the credits. Like, Absolutely, because yes. none of those guys are in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all credited. Yeah. I mean, I've got an email that I'm kind of stepping on here, but whatever. No, uh, I'm pretty sure that season T-Dog died. He still was the rest of the season, because a lot of that stuff is, you know, guild. Like, you cannot yeah. just take a person's thing off in the middle of the thing when they're a main cast member and all that kind of stuff, so... Yeah, yeah, no, it's a it, it's it's trolling, and then they saw the shit storm that they're getting into, and then had cold feet, and now they're trying to walk it back. It's just so I don't even know if they're they care to walk it back. I I then they why? might just reinvest in it. Then why are they out there making statements and trying to do damage control? And oh, are they? And also really like also that. this Chris Hardwick saying spoilers ahead. 
<laughs> I heard, I didn't watch the show, but I heard I saw several people email saying that they was actually talking about spoilers for the episode we just watched. Why? That's fucking Why? stupid. We don't man. we don't say at the beginning of this podcast. Spoiler alert! Spoilers you, for the episode we're about to discuss. In case you haven't seen it yet, like you're coming right off the back of this show, literally off the back before the credits are even done. Yeah, Chris Hardwick is on the screen telling you we just saw The Walking Dead. We're gonna talk about it. Yeah, spoilers ahead for like I'm like oh they're what the fuck like wow this is really sad. They're going to continue to talk about this Glenn thing, but I guess that was literally for spoilers that we just saw. Like, come on, come on, stop. There's no need. There's what no is need. this amateur hour bullshit? This is not. I, this is not a confident showrunner uh, at the height of his powers. It's just not. It's strange to me that you would be so concerned with telling people spoilers for an episode that 99.9 percent of them just fucking watched. Yes. Yes, the, and the yet credits you're willing, are still flashing on the screen as he's saying this. And, and yet you're willing to fucking troll your audience to this point. Yeah. Like, you're so concerned with spoilers, and yet you're going to do this bullshit? Yeah. Man. I don't get it, man. I don't get it. Before we get to feedback, I want to talk about our sponsor for this week, Audible.com. You can get a free 30-day trial to their service and get a free download of an audiobook by signing up at audiblepodcast.com slash baldmove. And they got a, over... A, 180,000 spoken word uh, and unabridged books. Everything I've ever thought about reading and looked up on their site, they had. On on audible.com. And again, you yeah. can get your free trial at audiblepodcast.com slash bald move. Jim, do you have a re- – I have a – what I've been using Audible for, I don't know is it super applicable to The Walking Dead. Okay. But I know You're you've read something a little bit because I, I feel like – the Venn diagram of, of geeks and nerds and Walking Dead fans is, is a pretty good overlap. Yeah, at least partially. I mean, uh, it's 100% true in the case of the host of The the Watching Dead. That's true. Yeah, I've, I've recently – I went and I got uh, Ready Player One on Audible. I know I'm like four years late to the party, but, you know, I've figured uh, – I've been wanting to read that for a while. And so I went and got the audiobook, and it's read by Will Wheaton. And I don't, I don't know what you think about Will Wheaton. I think before I started this, you were like, I don't know about that Will Wheaton guy reading books to me. No, I was worried because like he's can get a little hardwicky about how into nerd culture he is, and I can see that being annoying. With uh... so all of the uh, the authorial stuff is taken away from him, right? Uh-huh. So he's not going to get preachy on someone else's material. So that's good. And also having Will Wheaton read it kind of lends a little bit of credence to this whole book, just because. You know he's a nerd, and you know the references he's reading are things that he gets mm. and understands totally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's even kind of a little surreal when you hear him read his own name out of this book uh-huh. sure. <laughs> at certain points. Uh, but I thought he did a really good job, and it's a really what's good the, book. What's the pitch, the elevator pitch for this book? Like... Uh, it is a post-apocalyptic future. All right, where, check. Yep, yep. So we got that tie-in where this Everyone is kind of living in this thing called the Oasis, which is a lot like Second Life, except it's it's everybody's entranced by it. So it's the Matrix. Yeah. And this guy who created the Oasis has died and has and in his will he has left everything to the person who can find his Easter egg within Oasis. Oh. And so it's the this kid goes on a search for this Easter egg. Interesting. And and adventure ensues. And it's really cool. You know, if you're if you're a fan at all of the '80s, uh, if you liked music or movies or video games or anything in the '80s, you will totally love this book. Okay, so I, I now, recommend that on Audible. Did you what what speed did you listen to Will read that? Did you do one X? Really? Yeah. 
Why? Are you a two X kind of guy? No, two X is too much. But I'm almost like a one point two five. Okay, so that's a good thing, right? Like Patrick like, Tall reads the Patrick O'Brien books um, that I'm currently like I'm already on book three because I do the thing where I read on my Kindle at night and then yeah. you know I took like a four hour combined uh, uh, road trip this weekend and I was listening to it on that. So like, I was like, I can read it fast, and the cool thing about Audible and the WhisperSync technology is it seamlessly matches that up. So I can start as soon as I stop reading the book. The audio book will continue in that place and vice versa when I get done with the audio book. Um, and you can I, choose your speed. Yeah, you know, and I like it. And it it's, it's not like a chipmunk fact. It just gets a little bit more clipped. Yeah. But I find like 1.25 is great for like Patrick Tull who okay. reads the – but uh, then the guy that reads the uh, – the Game of Thrones ones, and I'm also got all uh, all know those. I, f- I feel like 1.5. <laughs> okay. He reads a little slower. He really slows. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like if you're that was my the reason I always hated audiobooks is because they just were too slow. They 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 read at a slower pace than I was used to because I just kind of hail shit. You and want I, like the speed of me reading emails, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, it's like oh, we're we're at 45 minutes in email. I still got five more. Like I, I want yeah. that kind of urgency. Okay. Um, and then you can always slow well, the it down. Well, the client lets you do that. It is. You know? It's pretty nice. It so, is. Uh, if you want to try the service, that sounds intriguing. If you're a book fan and you want to inhale stuff at the maximum velocity, try check out audiblepodcast.com slash baldmove. And hey, you get a free audiobook just for signing up. I got a lot of emails. Uh, if you'd like to give us more, watching dead at baldmove.com or you can get on forums, forums.baldmove.com. But yeah, let's hear it. All right. We start off with Patience. Uh, she says, would you and Aaron be okay with Glenn slowly changing his position and pretending to be eating Nicholas? Could pretending to be a zombie get him not bitten when surrounded by feasting zombies? Or could he really take a few bites to seem more convincing? It's a matter of life and death, and it might be worth a few bites of Nicholas. Uh, I really only read this because I love the idea of Glenn trying this and it not working. <laughs> Just, oh, like, nom, he dies nom, screaming with like... bits of Nicholas in his mouth. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's like, you know, you're starving hilarious. on the mountaintop, and you're eating the soccer team, and then an avalanche kills you. It's like you've done the morally yeah. unacceptable thing, uh-huh. and then you die anyway. Um, <laughs> so has has anyone sent feedback revolving around the Nicholas gun being empty theory? The hallucination stuff? Well, the hallucination stuff is horseshit. I cut it all. I, I cut all that stuff. I actually like the idea... As much as I can like an idea that's so horribly executed and envisioned, but I like the idea that Glenn that 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 Dickless they 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 deliberately showed us him emptying his gun and then he puts his gun to his head and and they don't show us blowing his head off. Mm-hmm. That that's actually a sniper shot from somebody else for some reason killing Nicholas and that's going to be the rescue squad that sweeps in and, and saves Glenn. So they decided there are two humans on this dumpster. We're gonna kill one and save the other. Yeah, why? It doesn't. But I'm saying that's like the most clever thing you I can come up with this situation. Because no, like I mean, I don't I, think it's gonna happen, man. Yeah, I, I can't see any way. Like they could have made this really cool if they had established that Glenn got to the dumpster and showed that it's it's a hopeless position. But then. They use the CBs, and there's a there's a continuity between the tank scene with Rick in season one and this. Like, there's ways they could have done it, but I feel like yeah. that, that ship is all sailed. All you because do because they went in with the troll face. Yeah, just leave Glenn on the dumpster. Yeah, like he's they're clearly stuck on this dumpster. Well, yeah. and he's not wait till next time threat. to find out. Yeah, yeah that that would be that's one a cliffhanger thing. versus a bait and switch. Yes, and yes. It, it's, thank you, it's thank you. 
You completely, said it than I completely the opposite of what I wanted is what they gave me. Uh, anyway, SB and SLC says, I feel like I may be one of the few people that was happy that Glenn died, even though he probably isn't dead. Uh, the show has so many characters, I have a hard time getting into the show when there are so many deviations from the main storyline. I'm invested in Rick and Carl. They have long story, long-term story, long storylines that interest yep. me, and I have always thought of the evolution of Carl as the most interesting part of this show. Show. Carol and Glenn have also come a long way um, from abused wife and delivery boy to serious badasses. Daryl is eh to me, and every other character is a cog in the overall machine. You know what? Two years ago, that would have been amazing, but I'm kind of kind of met on Daryl, too. He hasn't done anything in a long time. It's been a long time. I mean, he blew up a tank. Mm-hmm. He got a little bit of character development Had with a little Carol. spaghetti, and I got a motorcycle back. But he really still is Rick's. I mean, he is the same guy in season two that's like, I'm not sure we should hang this guy, but okay, and all right, we're putting him back. He's Rick's lackey. Yeah. And I need him to, like, I would still be shocked if they killed him, so that he's got that value, but, like, his stock is really dropping in my mind. I think he... He might come back into his own I hope during so. this Walker attack. I I would like to see that. And no. I, I'm not. I, I don't want to see him come back and like Legolas, like you know, oh, he's the guy with the bow and the crossbow and the knives, and he's killing squirrels and coons and all this other stuff. Like I I want to see him as a genuine character again. Hmm. Okay. They need to get. They need to serve. They they've done a good job with Rick and Carl. They need. They really need to get the Daryl's plate spinning again because it's starting to wobble. Starting to wobble. I agree. Steve J says most of the drama of the show has been buried between Walker Hurd and Glenn's pseudo death, but I think once that all plays out, the crux of season six will be: do do we continue to try to build Alexandria or just close the doors and protect what we have? So that's a, an interesting point. You know, with sure. all this talk, yeah. this kind of meta conversation about The Walking Dead, we've kind of lost track of a thread through the season, right? Yeah, and I don't know that there really has been much of one yet, other than. Daryl and Rick going back and forth about we need to bring people in. No, we don't. Yeah. That sort of thing. So it could be. I can. Yeah. No, that's that's a genuinely interesting thing and in how how they will resolve that. Because. Yeah. Do you want to do you want to try to reboot civilization in the world with this little seed? Or do you want to just put up the cold rolled steel and try to ride the storm out? Yeah. 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 I don't know. Big Beard. All I have for this guy's name. Hey, respect. Big beard. Or, you know, woman, maybe. I don't know. Uh, in the episode for Thank You, you guys questioned whether or not Michonne should have known about smearing zombie guts on her to camouflage herself. You're absolutely right. Michonne did exactly that. She walked right up to the gates of the prison, surrounded by walkers, to bring Rick baby formula for a little ass kicker. Mm-hmm. Had to read that as a correction because I don't think we made that connection. Mm. Like we said, she knew about the pets, but maybe not the bloods. I, I thought it was smearing, unrealistic yeah, for yeah. her to get and make one connection, not the other. But yeah, I yeah. couldn't think of a particular scene where she did the Glenn Gambit. Apparently she did. Okay. Uh, and now that he says that, I totally remember. Dan from Philly. Hey, guys, the only thing missing was Lenny James standing on one leg crane style. I could <laughs> rattle off character after character who's had the same, same storyline in one way or another. Was it a well-executed episode? Absolutely. But the biggest reason why is unlike the actual storyline, here the writers had no skin in the game. The outcome of this episode writes itself, just like the thousand or so other movies, TV, and literature that have used this story. Are we to assume that the writers on the show have no other go-to plot device than dumb choices and self-sacrifice? My biggest question is, was it a four-year Emmy consideration episode or just your basic 90-minute money grab because it sure as hell didn't have anything to do with the fans who just want a good story already? Yeah. Yeah. I... I don't believe it. I think it's the in. story arc is good, like you said. It's just been done so many times, and even on this show. 
No, yeah, I mean, uh, most there were a few execution. Not ex- this. This episode is very well executed. Yeah, there were some baked in structural episodes that were there from the writer room that were dragging it down that were elevated, quite frankly, by the execution. Mm-hmm. Um, and this this episode is written by Scott Gimple, so I can lay one hundred percent of all that shit on him. Like okay, he took up <laughs> the, for the credit and the blame, so I will give it all to him. Yeah. Um, and I think the director and the actors, John John Carroll Lynch and and Lenny James, executed like heroes. Hell yeah. Um, but but then you gotta you you gotta look at it with the meta that we've already talked about, and the meta stuff also takes it down, and it's unfortunate because it's like you gotta. You got a you got an A plus execution with a C minus you know premise and you know bones to the story and then you got an F supporting meta and it's just you know it, it what do you do is it a C minus is it a D plus yeah I don't I don't know like it's better than that everyone says it's better than that but it's like I don't know. Yeah, I, th- I think I have a, an email that I didn't include that said basically that um, the the same thing that, you know, Gimple said or whatever, that, you know, if you binge this thing. That's such bullshit, though. It makes it a lot better. But I, I can't remember if I included that one or not. Uh, uh, anyway, Chelsea. I, I feel like that's starting to become a little bit of a crutch for showrunners. It's like, oh, well, in the Netflix age. Yeah. Well, but, you, okay, okay, fine. What well, about that first year that your show's out and it needs to get all the coverage and all but also in a netflix binge if people are like oh rock on two episodes and there's two episodes of turd laying it still ain't gonna work man i'm gonna go to bed i do agree that you're you're more likely to gloss over it because you're probably gonna watch another episode after that yeah and you don't have 30 minutes of commercials interfering with it and sure and it's it's like i don't know binge watching like true binge watching if you're sitting down and over the course of two days watching an entire season yeah, these things get lost. You you don't remember the lows. You only remember the highs. But I still like, think it's going to be frustrating. Like on a binge watch, the the three episode arc of the governor is yeah. still a drag. Like, oh, really? That's a lot to sit through. Sure. I want to know what happens to the prison. Like here, people are going to be yeah. like, I want to know what happens to Glenn. Fucking ninety minutes of Morgan. Ah, all right. Next episode. <laughs> ah, we got Jesse. Yeah. Come on, man. No. no. Chelsea says, I think the backstory really took the edge off the morgalizing when you look at it from the perspective of new convert zeal. Agreed. Especially in a philosophical understanding as taught by one crazy person to another. Agreed. Um, also, I had hoped that they'd capture one of these wolves for questioning. Morgan's wolf seems seems tough slash crazy slash masochistic enough to withstand a lot of physical pain, but I give him <laughs> two more morgalizing sermons before he breaks. Nah, man, you get some <laughs> aluminum foil, start adding, making him chew it, and he cracks like an egg. Oh, yeah, Because those deal. teeth are a They're ready fe- to go. Are federal disaster. Yeah, in two years, this guy's teeth... Well, okay, maybe he was a meth addict or something That's beforehand. what I'm thinking. It feels like the wolves are largely a bunch of meth addicts slash crazy people that someone has lashed together into a makeshift fighting force. Okay. Because there's no way these people make it on their own. They're just in their own way as maladapted survival as the hippies with the one bullet in the Campbell soup can. Could be like the people who were in the prison before our group got there. You know, I don't just kind of like maybe they were in a uh, asylum or something. Well, I mean, wouldn't it be cool facility? to kind of see like what would Scientology look like in the post apocalypse where you have People that are cynically taking advantage at the very top levels of people's zeals on the bottom levels. And then you throw in the fact that 
not only are they just maybe they're economically down on their luck or they're credulous people, but they're literally mentally ill people that you've co-opted into this. That's interesting as a concept. And I feel like yeah. we have not seen the top the top of the, the Wolves' leadership. Maybe so Gabriel I- can turn into that. <laughs> Start getting the Alexandrians to follow him. Man, sure, Gabriel, just put a W on your head so we can kill you and get it over <laughs> with. All right, moving on to Mel with uh, a mini rant. I don't know if it's so many. It's a few paragraphs here. Uh, mini rant that expresses my frustration with the Walking Dead fandom in general. Not necessarily talking about you guys specifically. I would hope not. Uh, she says, I'm frustrated by the lack of respect characters like Therese and Morgan get in general. How is it possible that most people miss the point and focus on the wrong details? If everybody in the world would be like the Wolves and Rick and Abraham, they would eventually all die and there would be no one left. The possibility that people in the zombie apocalypse could still want to be peace-loving, decent people is not far-fetched. There have to be people willing to forgive and make peace in order for a true society to begin again. It can't all just be murder, murder, murder. Some people would have to see that. They may die off quickly because of it, but they have their place. And that's kind of the problem I have with this, is those type of people who refuse to kill anything are going to die. Yes. Like, regardless of whether they are the ones to restart society or not, they're also the ones who are incapable of surviving long enough to do so. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. Um, also, I think the writer's point is that people in general have varying points of view about life and the world, and thank God for it. They'd also be criticized for not including it. Basically, they can't win. Uh, people like Jesus and Gandhi, who are peacemakers and lovers, not fighters, had as much or a bigger impact on the world than the Hitlers and the Paul Potts. It is going to have to be that way again for this world to eventually survive and thrive. But I think that you're going to go to, you know, Jesus happened in the context of a red, relatively stable, you know, form of government. Yeah, that's like, the thing. There are no, there are no Jesuses if you look 6,000 years ago. Like, the best you could hope for is, like, a Hammurabi, who's a warlord with some high-minded ideals that he puts mm-hmm. in place, or a, a Cyrus the Great, uh, who brutally conquered a bunch of people, but then is like, yeah, we'll let you keep your gods and your religion as long as you pay tribute to me and serve in my army and whatnot. So, I feel like that, yeah, we're going back to Bronze Age government. You're going to go back to, like, feudal, like, democracy will take a long time. Maybe not... Yeah, as long yeah. as it used to, but you're going to go back to like the warlord days, and you're going to want yeah. a guy who's like a Rick, who's a warlord with a bit of a conscience. That's the best you can hope for, because as you're right, the Tyrese's and the Morgans are not going to be able to enforce their will upon mm-hmm. the, the the wolves and the Terminites. And I think it takes the, a guy like Rick, honestly, yeah, a guy who is willing to do what it takes to survive. But also understands that things have to return. And that's to some my, kind that's of I think it's interesting about The Walking Dead. If we talk about the comics and the show as a whole, is is this chronicle of one man's journey that molds him into the ideal post-apocalyptic leader. Mm-hmm. I think that's still the interesting thread of this and his relationship with the son. You think we'll ever get there? I think yeah. we'll get to a point where society is reestablishing itself. I mean, that's the thing, like. Uh, if I want to make an analogy, like the Star Wars prequels as a silent movie, uh, I've always thought that would be an interesting project. Like, take the visuals and the grand themes and just rewrite the dialogue with little cards and say, okay, it's all there. Like, on The Walking Dead, it's all there. If you just give someone a five-minute elevator pitch, it's compelling and it's interesting and all that. It's it's 
the individual writing and execution of, that brings it back. So mm. that's the interesting thing is like, yeah, there's been ups and downs, but when I look over this last five seasons, mostly I see this kind of consistent arc that slowly emerged from from the series, which is good. Which is good. This this you know what what does it take to to live in a zombie apocalypse? You can't be too much wolf, and you can't be too much Tyrese. Yeah, there's the blend, and that's that's what Rick is becoming. I feel like it is. I, I could see a lot of people saying, "Oh, well, Rick is still a little too harsh." Sure, you know he's yeah he'll protect his group, but it seems to be that violence is the only way he knows how to do that. Which I don't know. I think is that's the appropriate response in this world. Yeah. Frankly, yeah. Do you save idiots that don't know how to protect themselves over the people who can protect themselves and others? Yeah, it's like you know when the oxygen mask drop on the plane that's going down. Do you put it on the three year old or do you put it on yourself first? Well, they tell you to put it on yourself because <laughs> yeah, if you go put it on three year old, then maybe you don't get it finished and you die and he the does too. Three year old's not going to put it on you. Yeah, I can tell you that much because he can't. Sure. Uh, Brett says, long-time listener, first-time emailer. Just wanted to let you know that Hardwick spoiler warnings you see immediately after The Walking Dead are about that episode, not future Fuck episodes. Fuck you. They've never done that before. I'm not saying to you personally, kind Brett, person. Brett. 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 That, that wrote in. I'm saying, fuck you, Chris Hart. You've never... This is another extended trolling sequence because they've never, ever, ever, ever done that in the history of The Talking Dead. Yeah. And they're doing it for this episode... I don't recall seeing it. With no. the meta? that it, it, The current meta? No. No. Trolls. All of them. Uh, he then again, I, I've probably seen three episodes of Talking Dead, so I'm not an authority. But I feel like I've seen almost all of the 30-second intros because I'm always... Sure. You just can't avoid them. Yeah. They're there I mean, before you know it. <laughs> I watch it live, and they're always there. And I feel like I've got a, a, a If they've said every single one, spoiler alert. But that's dumb. It'd be like if we... In, did every single episode of we began with a spoiler alert? No, we only do spoiler we, alerts when we're about to spoil future events. We should have begun this episode with spoiler alerts. That would have been pretty funny. Barry C. from the UK. No, we wouldn't because our natural inclination would be think, oh, people are going to avoid watching this episode because they thought we've lost our mind and we're going to spoil the future yeah. events. Yeah. We, we wouldn't do off. that to our audience because we're not fucking assholes. Barry C. from the UK. The performances were great, and I really liked Eastman, but that was an episode that didn't need to happen. We know Morgan was going to live. We knew that 99% of the time Eastman was going to die. We knew Morgan was going to be cured of his PTSD and learn how to fight using a stick. Uh, So while that was all very nicely done, what did it add to the series? The same episode would have been so much more enjoyable if it had occurred last season before Morgan met up with Daryl and Aaron, where we didn't know whether he would live or die. Plus, the whole storyline of a pacifist who is deadly in close combat was done last season with Tyrese. Uh, it even had both men take a prisoner who, instead of bargaining for their life, straight up told the guy, you should kill me because I'm going to kill everyone. Totally true. Was that Dan or Barry? It was Barry. Barry C. from the UK. I feel like that, yes, he's I, Barry, you're a little tied up in what the current meta is because I, I don't think it had to happen last season. I think mm-hmm. it happened at points of this season to be satisfying. It's just... You need to find the right, you know, crest or trough in the action to to slot it in, and they just didn't. He's right about the parallels with Tyrese, though. I mean, sure, yeah. Right down to baseball cap guy. Like, <laughs> look, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to come back, and I'm going to kill people. Yep. And what happens? Yep. <laughs> ben says, I like the Eastman character, and I like that to the point in the story. 
uh, his ways had worked. I'm a Christian and a priest, and we have our own statement and beliefs in the creeds that we say. Sometimes those creeds are hard to say with conviction for one reason or another, and there are certainly moments of questioning, even for a person of faith. The whole, I believe that all life is sacred, is a creedal statement of Eastman's and now Morgan's, but they're free to question that belief and free to struggle with that belief and free to not even really know what it means sometimes. It gives them a way, though, to follow, and it reminds me of that line from The Big Lebowski, from Walter and uh, from Walter to the dude, say what you will about the tenets of National Socialism, dude, at least it's an ethos. I kind of agree with that. So, so that's kind of that, that's a more nuanced take. No, no, I like that on it's this, good. and it's fitting that it comes from someone who has a sort of creed like that, right? As like, a Christian and a priest, like I'm an atheist, but I do have some creeds and some some rules that I follow my life by. If I didn't, I'd be a nihilist. Okay, yeah, and I feel like the wolves are nihilist, right? Probably, I don't know. I mean, if everyone has to be killed. Regardless of their threat level or their potential to, like, what you can gain from keeping them alive, that's, I mean, that's kind of nihilism in a nutshell, isn't it? I guess so. Everything's pointless, so everything should die. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Ben does kind of uh, throw another point in here. Where this falls down, though, is when Morgan's beliefs begin to endanger the lives of others. Sure, he's not hurting anyone directly, but if he doesn't find a way to reconcile his beliefs with protecting everyone else, it's going to be a problem in Alexandria. Yeah. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, it's like, you know, if, if you got a worldview that you've spent less time thinking about than Asimov did with his three laws of robotics, <laughs> you need to sit down and start again. Three laws of the apocalypse. Yeah, yeah. I think you, you, you spouted those off during this very episode. What was it? I don't remember. <laughs> Me either. Cardio? Uh-huh, uh, double tap. Yep, sure. Yep. Uh, Micah from South Carolina. I know you're not fans of the Governor Bottle episode, and since this is actually one of my favorite episodes of the entire series, I wanted to just chime in with some opposing thoughts. I have noticed that when I binge-watch the seasons... Oh, okay, here we go. uh, Back-to-back, I have very little issue with the show. I suppose the problems are less visible when you're not waiting week by week for an episode, analyzing details, hearing them give quotes about the episode after the airing. Uh, Those Bottle episodes really suffer in the overall context of a certain storyline when you're watching week to week. I felt really underwhelmed by the Governor episode initially because of the anxiousness of waiting to get to the prison blowout. Since everyone is on pins and needles about Glenn, I can see where a lot of frustration would come from the placement of this episode. I, however, think it's nice to take a step back and slow things down because the show has been going at a rapid pace since the start of the season. I I feel that it makes the stuff going on with Glenn a little more impactful since we're all waiting to know what happens. Savor this moment of anticipation because as soon as all is revealed, you will never feel it again. Much like rewatching the Governor episode now that the anticipation of the prison battle isn't looming, I can sit back and enjoy it for what it is. A slowed down, one-off, big piece of character development with some fantastic performances, performances, which is why it has come to be one of my favorites, much like this episode probably will be. Just want to include a, a little bit of a dissenting opinion. No, I see what you're saying. I just think that you can't structure something on the way people in the future will consume it. Yeah. You know, you have yeah. to, like, if something I, I makes narrative agree. sense, it makes narrative sense, just the fact that something. And also, I don't know, when people say they binge watch season, I've heard this said a lot, you binge watch season two and it's a lot better. Are you binge watching in the sense of you're playing Bejeweled on your phone while some of the slower, mm. dumber parts are going past? Or no. are you actually wrapped? Because, like, I've recently binged things like Firefly and things like Breaking Bad and... I'm, like, captivated. Like, I can't wait to get to the next one. Or and Daredevil then, I did that with, yeah. Yeah. 
Whereas I don't know, like, if, if Walking Dead is just something on the background and you're just exclusively watching, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, I imagine that, mm-hmm. you know, if you're just playing on your phone until you hear someone scream and you look up, like, oh, yeah, you know, oh, season yeah, two and three are <laughs> pretty good. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I also wonder, like, is that is that coming from the space of I've already seen this before and I know what's going to happen and binge watching it is a way to get through the dumber parts quickly? Yeah. Or is this a first time binge watch? Like, have you not seen it before? You know, it's there's a difference there. Yeah, that's hard. To, as well. That's harder to judge. Certainly. Uh, he goes on. I also really enjoyed Eastman and was almost immediately invested in this character from the first five minutes that only continued to grow with his own backstory. But it begs the question, how is it that some episodes of this show can introduce a character and within minutes I am already greatly invested in them? And yet we've been following some of the characters for numerous episodes and I couldn't care less when they die. John Carroll Lynch just, is good. You guys need to. I mean, yeah, yeah. I can't think of anything that he's been in other than Fargo and last season's American Horror. But like last season's mm-hmm. American Horror, he was like the Freddy Krueger. Okay. He's the, by far the best part of the series in the first four episodes, and then he's allowed to give like Freddy Krueger's perspective on the world. And you suddenly, <laughs> I'm curious. He's allowed what that to, is. he's allowed to speak because the you know a Twisty for various reasons can't speak. He's allowed to speak and tell his backstory, and it's shattering. Hmm. It's literally shattering. This tale of the simple clown that's just wanting to delight children and the cruelties that he's inflicted and why he turns this. I can't even say that it's even rage. It's like he just doesn't understand the world. It's well, amazing. Children love fountains of blood. <laughs> It's it's amazing, and like even in a turd of a season like last season's American Horror, he was the best part of it, and he's just he's really good. It's there's something to be said for really great acting and a really well constructed character. Like imagine they introduce a new character for two episodes, and it's not, you know. Uh, who was the the girl that's managing Slabdown? Like, imagine yeah, Brian yeah. Cranston on his A-game is the minister of Slapdown. Uh-huh. That is instantly at least 50% more compelling. Because you got a sure. guy at the height yes. of his powers giving his shit and throwing every, like, if it's appropriate to chew to material, he's going to chew to material. If it's appropriate to play it low-key, yeah. he's going to play, he's going to do whatever it takes to sell this material with all of his skills and powers. So and I, I you, agree with that, you, yeah. You cast some extra, le- just, you know, extra level talent from central casting into that same position and watch what happens. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's a lot of it has to do with the actor, but also he got a John Wayne Gacy or whatever his name is in this episode, <laughs> got a lot of good stuff to work with too, right? Like there was a solid character there. Whereas you look at what they did to T-Dog, poor fucking T-Dog. Sure. He was ne- doesn't matter how good of an actor he is. He's not going to be able to pull that off because they didn't give him anything to do. Yeah. Like we don't care about T-Dog because He's not a character. He's just a, a bystander. All T-Dog is allowed to do is all hell naw. Yeah. And and dunk people in wells. It's silly. Yes. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, do, I will say, though, that I don't know that this character is that well sketched. It's actually kind of preposterous. But the, the actor himself <laughs> is elevating it. The story is a bit extreme. I will give you that. Like I would, I, I think that season and... one Morgan is about the best you can get, where a really compelling character in yeah. a situation and a really superior, very well trained, experienced actor comes together and just sells the shit out of it. Yeah, 
you know, so now you got half of that, or maybe three quarters I, of that. Because I think I they're doing that really super well. I, I don't think Eastman was a leftovers. terrible. Oh well, Matt, shit. Specifically, um, Eccleston, Christopher Eccleston. Take the gloves off, why don't you? You want to compare Walking Dead with the fucking leftovers? Yeah, let's what not the hell even, are you let's doing? not go there, please. By the way, less than a million people watch the leftovers. Fuck! What is wrong with you people? <laughs> uh, people don't want to be sad on Sunday nights, man. They don't. Do they, they don't want to be, be enthralled and no by an amazing. Not ne- if they mind. cry okay. at the end of the episode. Kimberly M says, I think there is a greater question that this episode presents. You touched on it in the instant cast, how in a different world, Morgan's newfound philosophy could work, but in this world, I think the only real way it can work is if he stays alone. But the big question is, can Morgan force his beliefs upon Rick and company? Does Morgan have the right to live his beliefs if that endangers other people? And would Rick have the right to exile him? So I think these are interesting questions. Like... How do you maintain some semblance of society when there are people whose positions on stuff might get others killed in, in an especially dangerous world? And does that give what where where does personal liberty cross with this idea of we need to survive? I think it's futile to talk about personal liberty in the world of The Walking Dead. Having said that, I think it's easiest <laughs> to think of that as like Rick had no authority to banish Carol in season four. But we've also said, like, you, you want Rick to reestablish has, society. Rick has when absolute, does that become a thing? Ra- Rick has absolute authority to banish Morgan in season six, Alexandria. When when did the personal liberty start to become an issue? Are we just not there yet? Eventually they have to, right? I if you want to reestablish any kind of reasonable society, they have to. Otherwise, you're just talking about a dictatorship, and no one is satisfied with that. I guess, like, if you want an honest answer, and I've had a lot of whiskey, <laughs> uh, too much because you fucking dared me uh, before this podcast. Uh-huh. But uh, I would say that, like, when the mass of people that are capable of 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 contributing to society are greater than the individual force of will of the one warlord who's keeping the peace. That's when okay. democracy. So when the people take it by force, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they demand it. Show me one single incident where that's not been the case. Sure. No, no, no. Like the, either the authoritarian regime collapses because of mismanagement, uh-huh. or the people become a force of their own, and the fear of overthrowing the central government is is less than the pain of continuing under the boot of incompetent or insensitive management. That's when it happens. And Alexander, we're way away from these people rising up against Rick. Totally. Totally. I think Rick's the type of guy that, like, as soon as he thought society is ready to govern itself, he'd be happy to go and put on his farmer hat again. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Uh and make time with with uh, Jesse and uh, hopefully eventually Michonne, since yeah. I'm a Rick Michonne shipper. <laughs> sure, a Raccoon, I'm a Raccoon. Uh, let's move a on to Schmick, Steven. A Mish, a Mishrick. I don't know how you what what's. I, we need a good couple Mishrek. name for Rick and Michonne people. Shrek. What? Sh- what? No. Mishrek. No, I I don't have a good one. I it's not a like a Benefer. There's not a great. There's not a great portmanteau of, of portmanteau. These two. No. Not at all. Uh, Steven says, I think we all had that one weird kid in class who got way too deep into Asian <laughs> martial arts, had, you know, the 
katanas and the little smaller swords sure. up on oh, his yeah. wall. Yeah. Like bought them for nine ninety nine on the shopping channel. Or yep. Something. Yep. <laughs> a set of fifty two of them. Subscribe to American Ninja Magazine. Uh, he went on and on about how dangerous and mysterious and ancient it all was. Apparently, he grew up to be a writer on The Walking Dead. The voiceover Aikido scene was absolutely hilarious. I didn't actually <laughs> laugh out loud, but I stared in disbelief at the screen. Ridiculous pseudo-deep phrases spouted by two middle-aged men with sticks while soft <laughs> music is playing. Uh, anyone familiar with the trope, uh, TV tropes knows what NARM is. And that was one of the gnarmiest scenes I've ever seen. See, I'm not. I'm not a. I'm. I actually love TV tropes. I don't know Narm. I guess I I'm didn't not, either. I've never gone down the Narm hole. So I went and I looked it up. Apparently, so there's an episode, and I watched this scene. There's an episode of Six Feet Under, near the end of it, where a character is having a heart attack, and and he's slowly going into it, and he's like, "Oh my." My arm, my arm is numb, and he's like, "Oh no, numb arm, numb arm, numb arm," and he falls over to the ground, uh-huh. and his eyes roll back in his head, and it's unintentionally hilarious, I guess, for most people. Uh, so they started calling that phenomenon of being unintentionally hilarious "narm." Oh God! So should I tell the story about my deaf friend? Uh, uh, maybe when I, when I was a maybe <laughs> I, that can go one of two directions. It reminds one me of which it. is very bad. So I had a deaf friend, and, and uh, he'd been deaf since early childhood. And uh, so, so you know, the deaf people that've been deaf for a long time, that you, you, their English is recognizable, but it's very accented sure. because you know if you lose your hearing, you. I guess a lot of our speech is self when we miss you know, and this part is kind of broken on me when we mispronounce things. Mm-hmm. Your brain goes, you got that wrong, dummy, because it hears it, and then it it feedbacks that, so you don't ever get... Especially if it happens when you're young. Right, right, right. So this guy didn't have that. We were in a pool, a a, a pool at a hotel, and he got a leg cramp. And you have this grown man who's saying, "I've I've got a cramp, and the way he's pronouncing it sounds exactly like a person saying, I've got to crap. Oh, no. And he's screaming it at the top with a pained <laughs> oh, no. look, and like it's it's kind of like the Baby Ruth scene, where <laughs> people are just <laughs> like is... <laughs> frantically trying to get away. Like it's just clear. It's like like you you could have cleared the pool faster by saying there's a great white, but he says I've got the crap, I've got the crap. It's oh god, right. that is unintentionally hilarious. Yes, exactly. He narmed it. He he. You're right. He totally before did. it was cool. He was narming it. All right, uh, man, I don't know how to come back from that. Stephen goes on on a more serious note and says, I now think even less of Morgan. He killed innocent people, which is bad enough, but I could sort of see a redemption from that. No law enforcement, so maybe he can spend the rest of his life making up for that. But instead, he adopts a philosophy of extreme pacifism that is directly harmful to the people he is with, as we saw in earlier episodes. He's already a man with blood on his hands, but when him being a killer would come in handy, he refuses. This stance is both deeply immoral and ridiculous. When Morgan dies, I'm having my own taco fiesta. Ooh. I'm not quite there yet. You gotta, first of all, it'd be a goo goo cluster You're right. binge. Yeah. It wouldn't be a, a taco fiesta. Uh, yeah. But I, sure. I, I find. I'm not there. No. Uh, I, I mean, still like Morgan. Quite I a like lot. Morgan. His life philosophy doesn't make sense, but he's got good reason to It makes not sense for understand. him. Yes. Yeah. Yes. For and sure. again, it's like, uh, you know, the the zeal of the new convert. I think that's the perfect way to put it. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Jay says, I like this episode. I feel bad for Gimple because a lot of the Walking Dead audience doesn't care about good writing or character development. They just want to see zombies being shot up or Daryl flexing. Also, the placement of this episode, considering that it followed the Glenn shitstorm, didn't help either. 
Mm-hmm. As for me, I particularly liked Eastman, in which they had used his character and actor for more than one episode. I kind of, yeah, kind of feeling that. Uh, I would have loved the story of Eastman as detailed in his monologues to Morgan to have been created in multiple episodes prior to season six of The Walking Dead. The question I have is, Eastman could tell that Morgan was not a bad person. He had just suffered bad circumstances. But what if he had met a real psychopath like a Crichton Dallas Wilton? How would he have handled him? That's a good question. It's interesting because his his own worldview has a built-in asterisk. It does. Like, and how would you have handled... What would be the way you have handled Crichton? Exactly. That's the exception. You don't have a place where exception. you can... You, you've got a, you don't have a place where you can lock people up mm-hmm. uh, to not kill them. And that's exactly what Morgan is trying to do here. He's He's kind of continuing the story of Eastman in a way, right? Yeah. Like, he's got this psychopath who is clearly hell-bent on killing people whatever cost and he's got to deal with that how does eastman or morgan in this case deal with it mm-hmm. and i think that's what we're seeing and what we're going to see unfold in the future and i don't think it's going to go well i think it's going to be a serious problem for alexandria oh no probably I... get someone important killed and then what happens yeah does he change his mind or does he go what you know can't win them all <laughs> does he put a gun in his mouth i mean who knows i don't know Joseph V says, Here's Not Here should have been retitled Relevant Episode Not Here. We already gleaned that Morgan was batshit crazy and reformed into a semi-pacifist. He says uh, he'll kick your ass, but he won't kill you before coming to Alexandria. We didn't need an extended episode when one minute of exposition would have done. How hard would it have been for Morgan to tell Carol, Carol, one time I thought killing was everything. Uh, Wait, one time I thought killing everyone was the only way. Then I found a new way. When I met a pudgy Aikido master who surprisingly was not Steven Seagal, and he he taught me the art of peace. Done and over with. We would have understood. I, you know, there's a little bit of reductism that I don't agree with there because, like, you know, we're always moaning that this place tells not shows. This is maybe a bit too much show. In sixty minutes a show. In in, in the wrong in in the wrong place. Yeah. Like, Like, but you know, I would much rather have an episode like this. As a forty, like you know, maybe a forty-five minute episode, mm-hmm. um, and I actually like the idea of like what would have happened if in last season, which had its own uneven problems, if they had broken away for an episode to tell this Eastman Morgan story, and maybe they even flash back further yeah, to yeah. show Eastman, like you know, you get a cold open. There's this Eastman at this prison. And he's talking to this guy that we slowly come to understand as a psychopath. He chokes him out and he kills his children and then he starves the guy. And that's in that episode arc. And then we've got a couple of episodes of Rick and them fucking around and Morgan following him. And then we have Morgan thinking, reminiscing back to when he found Eastman. And like uh, that, mm-hmm. that would have been interesting. Or maybe they tell it the reverse where you have this episode happen and then you find out the backstory of Eastman. Like it's kind of like, uh, you know, one of those Russian dolls where there's just layers and layers and layers. I, that could have been interesting. But yeah, there's, there's something I do like about the way that they did Morgan up till now. Mm-hmm. Like, I think letting him just go away for a while and seeing glimpses of him heading toward our group worked out pretty well. And and having him come back significantly changed from where we saw him last time I still wish, works pretty well. I still, because I've said this in several seasons, I wish... Like, for example, the governor arc. Instead of three episodes of that, what if the governor arc was cold opens every single episode of the season? you got this parallel structure that comes into conflict. Mm-hmm. Like, instead of having Morgan with a dopey grin on his face find determinist sign and then find Rick, what if we had, like, five minutes of this episode 
for every cold open of all of la- last season leading up to this. So I I don't know. Does that sound? Yeah. When. So by the time we get to the point where Morgan is in conflict with a person like Carol, we understand the tragedy of the situation that like Carol, because of her circumstances and her experience can't understand Morgan and Morgan because of his circumstances and his development can't understand Carol. I don't know. Yeah. It's a different way of unfolding that story. And I think maybe, maybe it'd be better. I don't know. Or maybe come across like the plane trip of the never ending plane trip of the fear of the walking dead where it's like, I'm getting 45 seconds a week and I don't give a shit. Yeah. Morgan slamming everybody's window shut. No one cares. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but I would like th- that would be... maybe. So we've essentially got that story now, but they did it all in one yeah. chunk. Yeah, that, I don't know if it'd be better or worse, honestly. And I, I don't. I like it. Contrary to some people's thoughts, like I don't dislike it when they experiment. I just dislike yeah. it when they experiment, and it seems like it's it's just lazy. You know, there's some of these things where they could have just a little bit of tweaking and a little bit of pre-production work. You know, a couple days. You got to go all the way with it. A couple days of polishing on the script, and it's like, okay, can we think of something better than having him literally be, as a profession, the thing that he has to be in this episode? Is anybody going to say what a terrible idea this is, Rick? Yeah. Is anybody going to, like, your plan with the quarry thing, there are a million other ways we could approach this. No yeah. one's going to say is, that? Is this, we're storyboarding this out, and it's like, I'm having a hard time, fear, you know, getting a sense of the time and place. Can we do anything to fix that? Yeah. It's the little touches, like, you know, sighting the leftovers. You see a baby monitor in someone's back pocket. Now I don't need to worry about what the fuck is going on with the baby. I've just had an answer in a three-second cutaway. Mm-hmm. It's that kind of stuff that is the extra level of polish The Walking Dead needs to continue to elevate. And what is maddening three years into the Gimple experiment is not fucking happening. We they continue to, to get experiments, me. but, you know. The, I mean... Everybody involved seems to be satisfied with it. The audience is mostly satisfied with it. Yeah. So what are you going to do? Yeah, Tom G on the forum said, the problem is that people at the top level of The Walking Dead are essentially hacks that are super pleased with themselves <laughs> I mean, and how things little... are. are, are and I, I don't know. I don't feel super good saying that. If you look at the literal definition of hacks, it's hard not to argue that, Ger- that, that Gerkman, that Gimple and Kirkman are not hacks. Yeah, I just I'm completely unqualified to judge whether or not they are in fact hacks. All right, because I myself am not in the industry. Uh, Nathan P says instead of retelling his story to the wolf, why not have Morgan talking to Carol at the end? Morgan seemed to want to save Carol in the same way as JCL saved him, so why not have Carol be the one to learn Morgan's backstory rather than some random wolf that we know won't change or even care? Carol and Morgan were, at the start of the season, the two characters I enjoyed watching on screen the most. And I'd love to see these two battle with their clashing ideals. Another wasted opportunity on The Walking Dead. Well, but that's that's actually a harder... Like, okay, write the scene where Morgan has this experience with Carol, where she just doesn't immediately, like, you're full of shit, shut the fuck up. Yeah. That's... I mean, I, that's a that's a hard writing problem. Like, some of the stuff I decry, I feel like is an easy writing problem to solve. But that's... But that's an it's only a legitimate... writing problem if you have an end point that you absolutely must get to. Mm. If you're willing to let the story tell itself and to kind of garden this whole experience, then I think that's not a problem. But you what... let the characters react how they're going to react and no, you tell I the story it. from there. But I if you're like, it. we absolutely cannot have this character change in a certain specific way when talking to another character, so we can't have them have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, that leads to hack 
hackney bullshit where you get characters not talking to each other because that information would ruin a plot point two episodes down the line. Hackneyed. So Yaro opened the call and Gimple and Kirkman hacks now. Well. Uh, no, I, 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 I take your point, <laughs> but I think there's a difference in the problem of writing of I don't understand where I'm at in the scope of time and geography, and there could have been 30 seconds of additional cut you know, oh sure, yeah. Like like uh, you know, cut ins and added dialogue to clear this up. Versus, I need to artificially engineer these two characters having this big revelation. How do I get there in the circumstance? That's a much harder problem to solve than you know. Uh, I need a guy like this career. This is a bit too on the nose. Let's brainstorm a bit with what he can be. So that's, I mean, that's part of the problem with adapting the comic book is that you kind of have some beats you know you want to hit. And if you're not going to follow it exactly, then you kind of need to build some bridges. Whereas you go to a story like Breaking Bad and you can say, well, we're here. Where does the story take us? Not like we need to get here. How do we do that? It's it's reverse engineering a story that already exists yeah, versus that's the creating a story Because I know you didn't read Past the Prison. As a person who read through the entirety of the Alexander plot, yeah. I can confidently say that we are building the Alaskan bridge to nowhere. Sure, sure. So, But that's because Kirkman just doesn't want to do the same things that he did in the comic, and I don't get it. Yeah. Like, you've got a story. You, you, there's a story there. Just do it. Yeah, I mean, there's, a, there's like, bonus stories he could tell out of the same material, I think, and maybe that's what he's going for. Yeah. You know, and I, that, that's not a bad thing, but just, you know, take your time, settle down, do it right. There's yeah. no fucking rush. Like I and maybe there is. Maybe the, the the budget is such that they only have so many time so much writing time and so much before they have to start filming and and all that. And maybe there's too many cooks. You got Kirkman and Gimple and Nicotero with roughly as much power mm-hmm. that they all have wildly different things they want to do with the story. Like I honestly don't know and I'm you know, it's been zero episodes since the last time I psychologically analyzed the creators of The Walking <laughs> Dead, and I'm yeah. I'm sick on to death of it. I mostly try to avoid that, but let's move on. Isaac yes. K. Isaac K. says, amongst all the other things they've done in the post-Glynn world, the proverbial nail in the coffin of trolling is the purposely not including Stephen Yun's name in the opening credits. And in, 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 indeed. <laughs> if... If he truly is dead, makes sense. If I'd have noticed that on the live cast, I might have stroked out. Yeah. Like you had to call 911. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't notice it for the instant Me cast. Me either. Uh, if he truly is dead, makes sense, and everything I say from this point is null and void. He wasn't in this episode. Maybe there's another reason, right? Well, if that's the case, why include everyone else's names who weren't in the episode? Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. Just... And he concludes mad trolling and middle fingers to the audience in an effort to be cool, I think. And it most certainly isn't. If Glenn truly is alive, and many of us believe he is, uh, tell them not to include... Wait, then them not to include his name in the credits is literally what I just said, a middle finger to the audience. They're thinking, we can do anything to these characters and fuck up the story however we want because they'll watch anything. Nah, I'm done. This was just simply... Wait, simple gimple at his best and worst. Let's do this thing and then throw them way off and do something completely opposite. As you guys and Sepinwall have said, there is no returning from this. The better storytellers, Gilligan, Yost, Ryan, they don't do this. They took the story organically where it went, which is kind of what I was on about earlier. Uh, he says, I'm done with The Walking Dead. I'm turning in my sharp zombie-killing object. Don't like to be teased because I'm a viewer. Truth be told, the show hasn't been good by any stretch since season one. I don't care what anyone says. It's just been a case of, well, it doesn't suck as bad as other stuff on TV, so I'll watch. <laughs> but I'm out. 
I, so I can't he, hate you, man. Isaac's not happy with this, and I, I, yeah, I see why you would do that for sure. Yeah, um, it's curious because, like, hmm, I'm trying to think of the times where I've rage quit series, and like, what was my breaking point? But yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm still not like anywhere close of getting giving up on The Walking Dead. Like, I'm not, and I've, I think we talked about this in in the earlier in the season. Like, what would it take for me to get to Man, that point? This Glenn thing is. I think it's the character. Pretty close. I think it's the characters because, like, that's why I fear The Walking Dead. Like, I don't know what they're going to do to make yeah. me want to watch that next season. I can't because imagine. they didn't do much, and I'm like already out. Yeah, but here it's like I, I still want to know like my. It, it's the it's the desire to find out what happens with Rick and Carl overcome with my getting sick of what they're doing with the characters and situations and the fact that they are you know I, I've I've come I've started to come to the realization that they're just not interested in making the type of show that I want them to make. Mm-hmm. I used to chalk it up to well, well, Gimple wants to make the show that I want him to make. I can see these flashes. But he just doesn't have the skill, and yeah. but no. D- and now Darabont I'm, wanted to make that show. These guys don't. Yeah, these guys like occasionally, and I'm not. <laughs> it's funny because the show thread is full of people that psychologically analyzing why, 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 why are they doing like every once in a while they like achieve approximations of greatness. Yeah, and they that's they what I don't they have understand. this pretension of of being this prestige drama, but then they. You know, I, I don't. It, I really don't understand. Something like Ash vs. Evil Dead comes on, and I'm like, that's maybe what The Walking Dead should be. If it's not going to be what Darabont wanted it to be at the beginning, mm-hmm. maybe that's where they need to take it, is just mm-hmm. go full-on gonzo with it. Make it gore and action and craziness every week, and just call it a day. Yeah. I don't know, maybe being on basic cable hurts it, too. Because things are... Uh, the, you know, Kirkman got a lot, gets a lot of mileage out of just making things shocking in the comic book that carries the sure, day when maybe sure. the writing's not there. Yeah. And they just really, like, the governor arc is where they try to make him a little bit more three-dimensional, probably just because they couldn't do, you know, uh, they can't do the extreme things that they wanted to do with that character. Yeah. So they got this tension between I'm what they... I'm a little they, worried about that going forward. So they're trying to split them, I don't know, again, like, I, I'm not... You know, I, I I have no defense. I it's like a, the same reason I watch American football, even though I'm watching people that I really love and care about destroy their brains. <laughs> I really like football. Okay, uh-huh. so I like watching That's the how Walking people Dead. Feel about us right now, yeah. yeah. Oh God, I like these guys, but they're watching the Walking Dead. Uh huh. Just destroying their brains. It must be f- in fear. If you had never had any affection the Walking Dead, and you watch us do two and a half hour podcast on the walking dead yeah while your pet tv show we don't watch it must be infuriating i can see that i feel sorry for, i i honestly do like i because i can't it's kind of like the same reason when giant bomb starts talking about wrestling oh yeah i yeah. i feel the exact same way it's like why 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 jeff kirstman you you've <laughs> never seen breaking bad but you watch every fucking monday night brawl or whatever uh, you what subscribe monthly to a get the package fu- why? just to get it then... why yeah I would love you yeah. so much more if you talked about Breaking Bad, but, you know, they are who they are. All right. Well, th- this next emailer probably feels the same way about uh, watching these people destroy goats. 
Uh, Kate says, usually I do not send him feedback, but this week's milking goat made me feel I just had to. As a farmer who has five milking goats, I can tell you that there is no way without a billy goat, a male goat, for you to have a milking goat. Just like humans, goats need to get pregnant and have a baby to provide milk. Goats will usually provide milk for about a year at most after giving birth. So Eastman having a milking goat means that he would not have been breeding goats or that means that he would have been breeding goats sometime during the last year of the zombie apocalypse, and his billy goat and any baby goats must have all recently died or disappeared. I realize this may seem overly nitpicky to most people, but considering this is the second post-apocalyptic show I've watched this week with an animal inexplicably giving milk, I think it's clear that many TV writers do not understand basic biology. What's the other one? Uh, the Last Man on Earth has a dairy cow. Ah, Okay. So what if, like, uh, he's uh, suck-stimulating the goat? Well, I I don't think you can do that without the goat producing, like, having the ability to produce milk. Because isn't that, I've heard that that's the case in humans. Like, you can can stimulate a (laughs) non-pregnant woman to give milk. Like, that's how, like, milkmate, or uh, wet nurses and stuff worked. Okay. I don't know. I don't know anything about this. Kate apparently does. And I get it. Goats are not people, etc. And, yeah. like, you know, humans are, like, essentially in heat all the time, and that's very rare among the animal kingdom. So maybe we're just, like, special that way. But Maybe. And, and yes, I, I know, know I'm positing that Eastman's getting down, and he's sucking on this goat's nipples until oh. it gives <laughs> well, milk. But, like, I mean, he seems not, to be the kind that would. It's not the craziest thing he's done. You yeah. know, it's two years alone with Google Clusters. He finds this goat, and he's like, you know what? <laughs> you know, I, I, really, I, I really like cheese. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be the human that rediscovers Velveeta. That's his. That's and his. And some sacrifices arc. will have to be made along some the way. Some sacrifices will. I'm, I'm not getting any pleasure from sucking <laughs> on this goat's nipples. And he tells the goat that every time. Every time, I'm like, look, 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 this is doing nothing for neither me. of us like this. But but, <laughs> but I'm going to take you from zombies, and you're going to give me cheese. That's what the deal is. Just how this works. <laughs> Chris A says, "Could it be that the Eastman character was a sly nod to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles?" Check this out. Uh Uh-oh. Consider the following. Eastman was a staff-wielding sensei who preached peace despite the murder of his family. What? Sound familiar? Yes. It's the same story as Master Splinter. Furthermore, Eastman is wearing a shirt that reads Save the Terrapins in in parentheses Turtles. Oh, my God. Finally, the creator of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is named Kevin Eastman. Oh, my God. Because I was wondering, like, what the fuck is with this dude in Turtles? He's got turtle pictures in his thing. There you go. Yeah. It's a comic. It's a comic creator paying an homage to another comic. I like this episode twice as much. Yeah, that's that's good. It's now it's it's gone from C minus to B plus. And sick, sick TMNT reference, bro. <laughs> and our last email of the day is is a conversation and a little food for thought. Lauren writes in says, last night I was at a boogie bar with a friend. I don't really even know what that is, but okay. Uh, like every Monday night. She she teaches Monday night college class. It's rough. She drinks. And I was talking to the bartender about The Walking Dead. We were talking in code because the friend I was with is way behind on the show. So basically I was saying, that was bullshit. And this other thing at the end, that was bullshit. And the other thing was bullshit too. Is bullshit left and right. And a guy down the bar left his conversation, walked over to us, and said, you must be talking about The Walking Dead. <laughs> so lesson one equals The Walking Dead <laughs> The Walking Dead equals bullshit. Uh, uh, she uh, continues, uh, the three of us continued to discuss the show until I mentioned wanting to subject Gimple to an interrogation because what the fuck? They both said, who's that? 
I replied, the showrunner, and, well, that shut shit down real quick. I became that douche who knows the showrunner's name. Conversation Mm. over. So lesson two, normal people don't know about showrunners. They don't even know what a showrunner is. If you want to talk to normal people, don't go there. I thought that was pretty good. So this email has kind of cracked the code. Yeah. Normal people don't care. No, no, no. So why that I – we? Everyone knows Walking Dead is bullshit. So, like, I'm a Colts fan, right? Yeah, yeah. Colts are struggling this year. I'm still watching the game. And, like, I watched it to the bitter end last night, even though the whole time I'm like, they're not going to win this game. They're not going to win this game. They're, mm-hmm. oh, Jesus, they just made this big deficit <laughs> up, put it overtime. Uh-huh. And I could have gone to bed, like, an hour ago, but I'm going to keep watching because that's what you do, like, even if you're 3-13 and 13 or whatever. Like, that's every sports fan knows what I'm talking about. Like, you just, if you're a Cubs fan, you haven't won a World Series in, like, 100 years, you're still going to be a Cubs fan, right? Sure. You can't yeah. escape it. Have I got there with The Walking Dead? Because that's the kind of conversation you'd have at a, be- a bar. Like I you're, suppose so. You're like, uh, you know, talking about something, and someone overhears, oh, you guys got to be talking about, you know, whatever sports yeah, team. Yeah, the Colts game, the yeah. Bengals game, whatever. Like, you can just hear the bits and snippets. Like, I feel like that's where I've gotten, where, like, I'm now a Walking Dead fan, and I'm, I'm in the same way that I'm a Colts Die fan, hard. and that I'm essentially rooting for laundry. Yeah. How does it feel? I don't know. I mean, I'm. I'm I mean, I feel the same is, way. So that's like, what I'm saying. Like, this is. I'm well. I'm kind of that way this. for zombies, though. So I've been that way a long time. But I that's guess? why it's like you watch sports because, like, you know, you'll go through a decade of futility just because occasionally you might win the Super Bowl or, you know, yeah. I've been. I've. I've. And you don't I, want to be accused of being a fair weather fan. You don't. No. Because, like, what if what if next season they win the Super Bowl, Jim? You what gonna, if next season you're going to drop one? off and not going to watch it, and then they get in the Super Bowl, and then you're going to be putting the flag on your car and wearing the jerseys, yeah. you fucking putts. Can't do that in week 16. Nah. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, I can't be season seven of Walking Dead, and, like, they're getting Emmy nominations, and I Mm-mm. noped out for the last three episodes, but kind of, or three, three seasons. Indeed. <sighs> That's it. That's all we got. I thought those uh, last couple ones were good. Yep. Yeah, got me questioning my life. Uh, if you'd like to psychoanalyze us the way we do Kirkman and Gimple, uh, you can do so at watchingdead at baldmove.com or on our forums, forums.baldmove.com. Yeah, we will get answers. Like We'll get something next week. I guess week. that's the one progress. Like A couple seasons ago, I just feel like that some of this stuff is just drop threads and just they're never going to make sense. Mm. Even though it's out of order and jumbled and like it's been poorly handled, there will be something that will come of all this. Yeah. And it's, you know, they still have a lot of the solid characters in the mix. I don't think Carol's going got anywhere the herd. anytime She's got the soon. herd floating out there. Got the, the big wall of walkers coming. I can't wait. All right. Can't wait. I mean, Rick's not screaming... Open the fucking gates, let me in for nothing. No. He knows there's something bad coming. But that so. also kind of lets the tension off of, like, why the cliffhanger, the genuine cliffhanger of him yeah. being surrounded by the zombies in his RV, if you're going to have him run up and say, open the gates, Coral. So we know he gets out of it. Yep. It's just what's behind him. Maybe they didn't anticipate us cranking up the volume and turn on closed caption. <laughs> you have to. Yeah. Come on. Do. The you internet's do. out there. You do. But, yeah, All I right. know now that Rick is fine, although I already knew that because Rick's the main character and right. he's never going to die. Until he decides I'm done with the show. Yeah. Yep. So, all right. Well, we'll be back to watch the episode with you guys next week and instant cast right after that. And until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. See ya. See ya.